Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. PJ's cast. I'm your host, Pierce, joined alongside of Jimmy. What's going on, Jimmy? Uh, we all feel the same. Uh, can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this, man. <laughs> so, Sam Bowman is a GM for the Chicago Blackhawks. He is. He is. He is. Uh, allegedly. Um, so Who's alleging this? I don't know. Uh, sadly, me. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks are an NHL team. We're a team. A professional. We are a team. Uh, <laughs> we are a team. We are a team. The Chicago Blackhawks play in the NHL, which would make them a professional hockey team. What I'm trying to understand is why the people running it are dumb. As smart as my left foot. Same thing. So we're going to go back. We're going to start this off with a bit of a sort of a cold opening. I don't know what the fuck you call it. Whatever. Tangent. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to 2015. I can't tell you the exact date, but after the Hawks won the Stanley. That was uh, a good time. 2015. I love 2015. Hawks won the cup for the third time in six years. They have their uh, little rally. At, I believe it was Soldier Field. It was a cold day, but people got in. It was still amazing. Everyone was singing We Are the Champions, like the entire crowd. The Hawks continue to have one of the biggest crowds of any championship rally. Like we're The fans are prideful of this. Everything's great in Chicago. They know they're going to lose a guy or two. Richards is going to go. They can't afford him. You know, Sharp, he has to go. It is what it is. You know, we got to make a cap. It up. is what it is. It is what it is. And, well, it happened. You knew you were going to lose those guys. You knew Oduya was going to have to walk, unfortunately, and that's a shame. Um, here's where it got interesting. Brent Seabrook signs an eight-year, nearly seven mil per year contract. Don't ever blame Seabrook for this. I know plenty of fans do. Biggest thing is 
why are you paying a guy who I believe was 30 or 31 at the time? If his if the first number in his age is three, you should not be handing out eight years to this guy unless he is Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, or Jonathan Taves. They give him eight years, seven million per year. You don't Everybody give it to it, sir. You don't give it to a defenseman that is clearly slowing down, as you mentioned, in his thirties yeah. and has had a ton of mileage on him. You simply don't yeah. do that. And this isn't just this is Duncan Keith. This is not Duncan Keith who plays a less physical game. This is not. He's a robot. Like, uh, Duncan Keith doesn't count. Yeah, like Duncan Keith does not play the same kind of game as him. And you have a guy who who blocks shots, who hits a lot. You know, a guy who plays with a physical edge. He was clearly declining. He came off a very good offensive uh, uh, postseason, but it was it was common knowledge he was starting to regress defensively, and in his overall game. Good for him to have that postseason. Eight years, seven million per year. Great. So now you are. Everyone knows that's a bad deal. Like everybody in the league knows that's a bad deal. The the moment it's signed, the fans do. Everyone does. Now you, I believe it wasn't. Hmm, it would have been. He would he have hit the market that year. I forget. Or yeah, was he would have. He would have hit the market that. Okay. And I believe 2016 would have hit the off uh, the market. Oh, so it was an extension. Yeah, I forgot. It was yeah. an extension. It was the year. Yeah. Okay. So. That happens, right? That happens. Right. So now you know where you are with cash. You're strapped for cash. You're strapped for cash because... More so than you were before. Exactly. You were already a tight cap. You are now strapped even more so for cash. You Richards goes. Oduya goes. You trade Patrick Sharp, but you don't trade him for... You don't get rid of his cap hit. You basically lower it down for Ryan Garbutt, which I hate to say that name again. You trade him for Ryan Garbutt and Trevor Daly... God bless his heart. Coach Quinville couldn't use him the right way for the life of him, who ends up getting shipped out to Pittsburgh near the, the end of that se- near yeah middle end of that season. For Rob Scuderi, same cap hit, worst player. You downgraded slowly over the course of half a season. Great, cool. Back Did they trade him for Christian Erhoff too? Can't forget that. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It was a yeah. It was a tr- yeah. You went from Patrick Sharp to Christian Erhoff. catch leaving. After like fucking off after like ten seconds, and ten fucking whatever games of Christian Erhoff or whatever. No, I don't even think it was that. I don't even know. It was awful. In that same off season, Brandon Saad's agent. This is one of those things where I don't blame Bowman for this, but it's another situation that just went south for them. It felt almost as if this was the price they're paying for winning their championships. Brandon Saad's agent asks for six mil per year. The Blackhawks can only afford around four. Saad doesn't know this. He has to be traded to the Blue Jackets. They get back Artemanisimov and Marco Dano, who we were... I saw you just made a tweet about Pierce, uh, thinking he was... We, we all thought he was going to be good. He was filthy his first year. I can't really blame Bowman on that trade because, well, you know, it was it was the agent's fault for not communicating right. It is what it is. You know, business is business, sadly. Um, I want to say... I, sorry, I want to say in Marco Dano's first year, 2014-15, I think he only played... 39 games, but if he played a full 82-game season, I believe he would have been on pace for 50 points, which is not bad for a rookie. Yeah, he was, man, he was at the same pace. Saad hits about year in, year out. Same thing. He wasn't great defensively, if I remember right. You know, Maybe he was sound or whatnot, but even if he wasn't, 50 points offensively is still great. He would have been playing with Taves and Hosa, so even if he was, then he would have been like covered, I guess, defensively, or at least like learned a little bit from them, yeah. I think. Dano ends up being nothing. Uh, he becomes a bottom six player in Winnipeg as you trade him for Andrew Ladd later in the year. Armin Isimov's a good piece, but he's basically being 
carried by Artem Panarin, Artemi Panarin, who is, I'm oh, sorry, Adam Wild, Artemi Panarin, who uh, carries him for the entire year with Patrick Kane, who has his best year winning the Hart, Ted Lindsay, and Art Ross trophy. So, yeah, Anisimov played well. Let's look at who he's playing with. Uh, Brandon Saad's doing well in uh, Columbus. I believe he has about 30 goals that year. Really, yeah, just he hurt. had 30 goals his first year. <sighs> and then let's move on to the next offseason. Hawks lose to the Blues uh, in uh, seven games. They could have that series. You yeah, know. They could have gone either way, really. It was such right. a close Steve series. Steve triple post. I mean, come on. You know, shit happens. It's hockey, dude. 2016, for me, is the calm before the storm. You sign Brian Campbell to a uh, one-year deal. Yeah, it was a one-year deal. You know, you get back this guy who played well for you. You know, you've got Duncan Keith, Nicholas Jalmerson still, Brent Seabrook, Brian Campbell, Trevor Van Riemsdyk is a you know solid bottom four defenseman at the time. You know, you've got you've got a decent you know something going on there. I mean, Michael Roosevelt was still you know he was still serviceable. He wasn't great, but he was serviceable. And so you've got a decent defensive core. You've got a solid offensive core up top. You have Ryan Hartman has a 19-goal season. Nick Schmaltz uh, has a bit of a rough start, but comes back later in the year after some time in the minors. Remember the Schmaltz tapes panic first line? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> this guy, Richard Panic, you got last season, goes off for about 40-ish points, I believe, uh, playing with Jonathan Taves. He, had, he scored six well, goals. He had, his he legs. had 22 goals, 22 assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the clean 50-50. And, yeah, the guy scores six goals. Against Malkin. Maltz can pass, can make plays. He's got moves. You've got a solid line there. Artemi Panarin is still killing it with Patrick Kane and uh, fellow Russian Armanisimov. You've got, you know, this bottom six, you know, with Marion Hostas in your bottom six. Like, that's where you're at right now with your forwards. Your only problem, really, uh, in terms of forwards, in terms of your depth, is that Marcus Kruger is your third line center or it's uh, Dennis Rasmussen. That was their big Or Tanner Caro. Tanner, oh my god, I forgot he existed. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. But as the season goes on, you see that if you look closely, not even have to look closely, they're getting killed defensively every single game. Corey Crawford is starting to blossom into this top-tier goaltender in the entire league. We're talking top five, top ten kind of goalie. You get to the playoffs as a number one seed after a hot stretch. You play the Nashville Predators, the eighth seed. You lose in four games, you score three goals in those four games. Tough. This is that storm. John, everyone freaks the fuck out. I mean, the fans should be freaked out. It's fucking terrifying as a fan to watch. It's depressing. It's hard. It's slow. It's painful. And even though it was just four games, it's all of that. This offseason hits. And instead of going, and you've said this and you've said it so well, it's just four games. You had four. I, it is. It seems like the end of the world, especially since it's the playoffs. Especially against it's a rival against the Nashville Predators. Especially considering the fact that you only scored three goals in four games with that potent of an offense. And really, like, that's right. all it comes down to. It's just a. It's just a four-game losing streak. You know, like if that was in the regular season, do you trade away your whole team? No. But since it's the playoffs, that happens. Even though that's all it was, it was a four-game losing streak. It's so, just a slump. It happens. I could talk all day about the fact that Pecorine is my sole bane in my existence for doing this to the Blackhawks, but he didn't do this to the Blackhawks. They did it to themselves. John McDonough stresses that he needs Artemi Panarin, I'm guessing in his eyes. The smelly Russian needs to go because he can't produce in the playoffs. No, Russian, even, though, even though the entire, yes, of course, the entire roster had three goals combined 
There was no one sole guy. Let alone your star player. Their three goals: Dennis Rasmussen, Patrick Kane. Dennis Rasmussen, part of the core three, as we all know. So John McDonough decides that he's going to force Bowman to trade their, I believe, will be their second leading scorer behind Patrick Kane. Um, I'm going to look up uh, his stats right now so I can kind of dive a little bit more into it. Calder Trophy winner, someone that's hovering around point per game and is part of one of the best lines in the NHL. 30 goals in each of his first two seasons in the NHL. So the guy's uh, guy's okay. He's not bad at all. That's all right. It's all right. There's no Brandon Saad, though. Oh, he isn't. That's why Stan Bowman... Artemi Panarin, Tyler Mott for Brandon Saad and Anton Forsberg. Let me ask you this: How much? How would you feel about the trade if instead of it was Panarin for Saad, if it was Panarin for uh, Teravainen? I don't hate that. You're getting a similar type of player back. You're getting a guy who can run a power play. You're getting a guy who drives not just possession, but a guy who can really drive play during the entire game. We're talking about a dominant player and dominant offensive player, man. You know, Brandon Saad is great in his own right. He's a great winger, but we're talking about a guy like Tara Vine, and this is a superstar. This is a guy who, you know, can reach different lengths in his game that can, and as we've seen, hit 70 points in a year, a guy who can take a game over. And, again... Still doesn't give the credit he deserves. I think he's still underrated around the NHL. Like, he's covered oh, no, right so point, around point per game. He's always in the Lady Bing conversation. I don't know how much stock that has into your actual game. Like, he barely takes any penalties. But he just, like, generates so much offense. Mm-hmm. Guy's got a... Uh, gosh, what is it? He's, he's overshadowed by uh, Sebastian Ajo. And Svechnikov, uh, too. Like, and he plays on their same line. Oh, my God. <sighs> oh, man. Well... Getting back to this point here, so we talk about, you know, John McDonough believes that Artemi Panarin is a bad playoff player. Sure, of course. Even though I'm pretty sure at that point he's point per game, and he still is point per game in his career in the playoffs. Which he is had seven points in seven games. He had one point in those four games in Nashville, tying every other Blackhawks player on the roster. That's insane. Uh, he, I mean, well, not a playoff player, I know, of course, uh, let's look at his seasons from then on. Uh, even though he was, again, seven points in seven games in his first rookie season, I believe he was leading all Blackhawks players in points in his rookie season in the playoffs. I can't stress that enough. He then goes on to have seven points in six games with Columbus the next year. He then has 11 points in 10 games, one point over the game amount he played each year. Oh, and then this year he had two points in three games against the Hurricanes because he's a bad playoff player. I forgot, of course. Can't get it done. Russians, stinky Russians. Russians can never get done in the playoffs. Just look at Ovechkin. Oh, obviously. And, of course, Brandon Saad. Oh, he's a great playoff player. You know, you got to get that back. We need, we need playoff players. You know, it's not like your team can play in the playoffs. It's just, you know, and you just happen to panic and give them a lesser player that takes them away from even having the playoffs where he can do what you say he can do. But that's where you're at right now. You then – and this is a bit of a mixed trade. Nicholas Schalmerson for Connor Murphy is a good trade in the long run. But the issue with this offseason is that the Blackhawks, I will say the Blackhawks, the front office panicked. They 100% the did. No denying hmm? it. They 100% did. There's no denying oh, it. Yeah. yeah, they panicked. And the problem with it is that you, they did have a good team there. They had a team that they could fix if you address the issue. It was at least a playoff team. It was a playoff team, yeah. I mean, if you want to, here's the thing. Here's the issue with them. You, 
they didn't trade Panarin. They didn't go okay. And it would be ridiculous to rebuild after that playoffs. It'd be ridiculous to do that. It'd be ridiculous. But they didn't do that. They didn't go to rebuild and they didn't get better. They made themselves mediocre. You traded away your superstar, one of, like arguably the best winger in the entire NHL throughout his entire like existence in it so far, all seasons in it. I believe that'd be five by now. He's arguably the one of the best wingers in the league. And you trade him for a guy who a top six winger. You trade Nicholas Jalmerson for a guy who's not yet in his prime yet. He's fantastic now, but he wasn't there yet. You brought yourselves lower. Did you do anything to uh, progress the team? Uh, from my knowledge, from my memory, no. Um, I believe you had Anton Forsberg as a backup who struggled mightily. You ended the year with him and J.F. Arube in that, which is a whole entire... And, uh, Jeff Glass. And Jeff and We can't forget a brief cameo from Scott Foster. Oh, yes. There, there were some good spots in that season, but... Um, it basically let all, let all, the, 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 went along the lines of uh, killing the Penguins 10-1 in the first game. I believe they won a couple more in their first few. They then go on to miss the playoffs by a good amount. It wasn't close. They were carried by Crawford for about the good first third of the season. As uh, soon as they got injured, the dam collapsed, and that was it, really. like They just yep. struggled there from the ground in. They left. That yep. was it. They were done for the playoffs. That was. It. I want to say he had close to like a nine thirty save percentage, something he like did. that. Like he was he. Nine, I believe it was nine. He could have been. He could have been up for a Vezina that year if he kept it up. No, nah, I'm I mean, personally. I think that if he had kept that up, and this is biased, I'm sure, whatever. But I could see a heart. It was he was like Carey Price that season. It was insane. He was carrying that team completely on his back. He leaves that team. Leaves they're done, and they miss the playoffs. This is where you start to rebuild. You've traded away your superstar. You've traded away your best shutdown defenseman. You have an aging Duncan Keith who is completely who is starting to fall off, and it's showing. Brent Seabrook has hit the point where he is falling off. He's he's gone. The the player you got, Connor Murphy, is being misused by your coach. It's greatest credibility is being misused. Patrick Kane is struggling, but that's you know whatever. But that's happening. Jonathan Taves hit fifty one points that year with a ten point five million dollar cap hit. That's not good enough, man. That really isn't. And this is where you start to, if not at least, retool. You, you maybe you find a suitor for Duncan Keith. Maybe, maybe you you throw away a piece or two, man. I mean, you have to do something here. But instead, next season they stick with the same team. They add a uh, fantastic defensive uh, wizard, Brandon Manning. They add just fossil and love the guy but a fossil at the time chris kunitz and yep. ward and love again love cam ward fantastic guy makes some you know beautiful saves and were fun to watch but well, he won the con Smythe once upon a time in 2006 sadly they signed him like it was 2006 they gave him three million dollars and a no movement clause just the cherry on top quinville well they had dominic Kuhn. i really like that move and i hope he comes back to here at least just to watch him play he's a lot of fun to watch um Great energy guy. So, you know, great chemistry with the bring kit too. Yeah, yeah, I, that is true. I forgot about that. But you, you, you add one piece, Brayden Cahoon, sure. You, yeah. So you add the other, the other three, and you start the season virtually with the same team. You know, you, Ryan Hartman uh, at this point. I mean, I, oh, I completely forgot to mention he fell off the face of the earth 
uh, the year before you trade him. I mean, that was after a, t- a nearly 20 goal season. He just becomes nothing. That was um, still a good trade, though. That's like one of the few that good trades that he's made. That was fantastic. Yeah, you got you know Philip Kerr is literally in the background of my phone right now. Nicholas Bodan in the first round, and Victor Etchel exists, I think, still. Maybe. Remember when he was like hyped up as the next big piece? He was the big, big piece. He was the the big piece. The system. Yeah, same with oh, Dylan Sakira. I actually really liked Edschel's game. I I really didn't think he had a fair shot, but you know uh, I'm gonna be that guy who goes on the Blackhawks, you know, Facebook comments and yells about that, of course. Um, so you, you start that season, I believe it was uh, let me let me pull this up right here for you guys. Chicago Blackhawks, 2018-19 schedule. To put it simply, Quinville, you just said fuck it. I got a bad team. I'm gonna just just full send it. We're gonna win games four three. We're gonna win games seven or lose games seven six against the Leafs. We're gonna just it's gonna be a complete mess. I They're think get... they won six to five in overtime against St. Louis, something like that. I can't remember yes, exactly. Yes, yes, it was five four six five. They're just getting peppered. They're in there just they're running with it. That's just what that Quinville knows that this team is just not good enough. We're just gonna do what we can with it. They get off to a good start. They have a two game losing streak, and he's gone. They were six six and three at the time he got fired. It's not you don't fire a coach at that point, and it's not him that was the problem at all. No, nope. it's a known thing that Sam Bowman and Joe Quinville were not eye to eye. It's a known thing that when McDonough and basically McDonough and Bowman traded Artemi Panarin, you know Quinville's like just you know powerhouse player. He loved him. Everyone can say, oh, he's an old guy. He's in like the Same fancy Jalmerson. He loved Panarin. He loved Jalmerson. He made Jalmerson. Not made, but he helped Jalmerson become the player he was. You see him doing it with Mackenzie Weger right now. It's almost like he's good at that shit. And there's no intensity. There's no intensity. You can the guy because he didn't agree. And that's just, you know, it's it's not it's not just business. It's a power play. It's a power move. And so the power struggle is done. Bowman wins it. But that was not the person who should have won that. And now you bring in Jeremy Carlton. Right out of the AHL, he did well in the AHL, but he was rushed. To brought the, the AHL. brought the Ice Hawks to the third round that year, I think. He was, he was developing well. He was fine where he was. Gets rushed here, and, uh, and it that's was, the thing, man. Rockford, when you look at the past track record, Rockford has not done a good job of bringing up players to the NHL, which I think has kind of. Uh, hindered the Blackhawks in the past few years or so. but And I think if they kept Carlton in that AHL role, that, that would have helped a lot. Because yeah. obviously you got the top players like Kirby Doc. They didn't need to go to – he didn't need to go to Rockford. Same with uh, – I still think was Rush. But, like, what if Bulkfist was in the minor system with Carlton oh, as the coach? Oh I think God. that would have helped a lot. Just how oh, many man. how many big-name players have came up from Rockford and just, like – killed it on the NHL team. No, Even like someone no, like Dominic Kubelik, he just came straight from Europe, didn't play in the AHL, got 30 goals. It's just they've had trouble developing players, and that needs to change, and I don't know if it will with this current coach that they have. Yep. Yeah. He, and it, it's it's been a thing with Rafa. They haven't had a good – they really haven't had a good track record of coaches, and Colton was really their first big hit. It was And it was clear. They went far with him in their first season – Players liked them and whatnot. They got along well. It was good. It was good. It was a nice time, at least in the AHL. It was nice following that run. It was, I don't know, it was a good time. Fast forward to this uh, twenty, late 2018, he debuts. In his first game as an NHL coach, they get slaughtered. Well, I can't say slaughtered. They almost came back, but they get killed by the Hurricanes. 
they get manhandled. We see Colleton's man-on-man system being employed with the defense that can't move to save their lives. You can't blame them. They're older. That's just where they are, but completely misusing a system that Colleton had, and you can't blame him there. He was thrown to the wolves as well. So they go on your, an incredible your management is just putting everyone in a terrible position right now. Yeah. At that yeah. time. I think they, you had to argue still are even more so than before. I think you just hit the nail on the head perfectly. Management putting people in places to fail. Like putting not putting them in places to succeed, setting when them up. And that's literally your job to put everyone in your system to succeed. You want to win. That's your whole thing. And you're doing the exact opposite by what they did and what they are still doing. Yeah. You go through this entire season, you go well, you have an insane losing streak. With Colin in the head, he—I mean, the guy's just throwing to the wolves. He doesn't—he's know what he's doing. And he, I mean, God bless the guy. He, how was he supposed to know? He was thrown right from the minors to the uh, to the the, uh, the majors, just like that. Uh, they kind of get it together. Eric Gustafson becomes Jesus for a little while. Has about Jesus who can't play defense. Who can't play defense? Yes. So Gus has this insane year. Patrick and Jonathan Tabes have career high points. Each of them. He missed the playoffs. Patrick had 110 points. 110. That's, that's a lot. That was even more when he won the 110 is a lot of points. Sources confirm. Both of mine. My left brain and my right brain. And you go into that offseason, you go, you know what? Well, the system might not work, but maybe if they adjust, you know, you can adjust the system. You can add a few. You can be a little more, you know, add some uh, faster players on uh, on defense. Sure. You know, add a little speed to the team. Here is, here is the rationale. They were so close. Remember that one game I think they won against Minnesota and they were in it for like an hour before Dallas won or something like that. Like there was there was legitimate like aspirations that they could have came back and made the playoffs. There were so many high scoring games. They were actually really fun to watch. And you yeah. think you think coming into the offseason, well, Carlton didn't have a full year to implement his man-on-man system, blah, blah, blah. You know, a whole new year under the coach with a reinvigorated Kate and Taves and a healthy Crawford. Maybe they could uh, make the playoffs and then just struggles and struggles again. Like, they just can't take that step forward. Yep. They're, they don't even take a step backward. Like, they're just they're just stuck in limbo. Yeah. Well, that offseason in 2019, this is where I, I, I think I was just – I had hope. I had hope. I don't know why I did. I tried to look at every. We had podcasts talking about this. I had every bit of hope trying to fight the fight me to think that Olimata could fit into the system, even though he is he's got cement skates at this point in his career. You trade your fast, shifty player Dominic Cahoon for a slow, overpaid in money and term Olimata. You trade. Some AHLers for Calvin DeHaan, who, hey, you know, solid defenseman. That's what the team needs. He's injured all the time, and he signed for two or three more years. You trade a second-round pick in a stacked draft that just now became Jan Mishik. Don't know him, uh, by the way, or his brother, like my sack. Um, and I believe a pick the next year for Andrew Shaw, who, as well, four million, two more or three more years, I'm two or three more at this point, I'm not sure. That's it two more years. It felt year, like... It's it's ironic. It almost felt like Bowman was going for uh, the four million dollar two more years special, and that's uh, that's what he got. You got slow players that were ineffective, that are overplayed, that are overpaid in law and and have injury problems. Like look at Dahan and Shaw. Yeah, I mean Mata Mata had injury problem problems as well. Dahan had injury problems. Shaw had just come. He had 
he come off a career year, but this is the guy who was suffering from concussions for a long time. Did you really think it was going to keep it up? And that was another thing. Eric Gustafson, he had a career of his life. Oh, they could have gotten a first. Could have had a first, maybe a prospect in there, would, but uh, no, would, they insist on holding I, on to him, and they get like a third at the trade deadline for him. You went. You took Cahoon. And I don't like these players too much, but you took Cahoon, like these next two, you know, Forsling, Forsberg, a second round pick in a 2021 draft. You traded them for three guys with injury problems who weren't bad. Too long. I, I don't know what was going on there. I don't. You didn't. You didn't move Eric Gustafson. You didn't move the guy who couldn't play defense. You don't move the guy who had the most value. Who it was signed for one point eight million. I don't think it was that. I think it was like one point two. Yeah, you could see. Oh my god, you could have gotten the world for him at that point. And shocker, you go into the next season. I mean, well, you did sign Dominic Kubalik. I got to give credit for that. That you traded for him. And well, how much of that is him and the European scouts? That's him. fair. Yeah, Mark Kelly doing a lot of that work. You know, and uh, oh my gosh, I feel the Ryan Carpenter signing was a solid depth signing. It's not going to save your team. You can't. You can't. You can't ask first until signing Robin Leonard, one of the best goalies in the entire NHL, because the New York Islanders fumbled the bag with him. The, the wins in this offseason either are you falling into, you know, falling into success or your European scouts finding and saying, hey, this guy's really fucking good. Maybe grab him while, you know, before he's gone. And that's one thing. Another thing is putting two of the two slow ass defensemen on your on your back end that are likely to be injured and not and not likely to either catch the puck from the other team and bringing in a guy like Shaw for the money he's being given, who not surprisingly gets injured this year and has contemplated retirement, which is awful to hear. And unfortunately it's not neither good for him nor the team. It's just a terrible situation all around. Calvin DeHaan, once again, he comes back from his shoulder injury. He gets it injured once again. He, I believe he got, uh, yeah, he comes back from that. He gets injured again. I mean, I don't know where he is right now. I'm pretty sure he's healthy, but unfortunately with the way his body's been, you don't know. He could get injured very soon in the season. Again, he's, you're paying him for two more years. Uh, like a four and a half million dollars. Four and a half million dollars. You, I mean, and like you said, see, it's just the same thing this season. It's mediocrity. It's, you know, they have a, you know, they I didn't they didn't really even have a bit of a hot start. They just kind of, they just went along. It, funny enough, as rough as 2018-19 was, this, you know, that season before, that season just, it, it made me miss it. It made me miss when it was so boring. It was bland. It was mediocre. It was awful. There was the game against the Sharks. Even when they lost, that was fun. It was you know run and gun back and forth hockey. Besides that, it was just mediocre, slow. Just it felt like every little bit of blood was being squeezed out of you. It was draining. It was exhausting to watch. And there's no life. Yeah, the entire season just kind of went on that way. You never, it was just them, out, you know, they're out of the playoff picture. They don't go down too low. They don't go up too high. They're just, they're just there. They're just, they're just, yeah, exactly. They're just there. And it, you see this year by year. It's, there are moves to be made. You can, you could have rebuilt, you could rebuild, you could have retooled before. 
Uh, I guess, yeah, the rebuild, you know, it would come later. You had the opportunity after you failed to retool, you have the chance to go, okay, well, we kind of fucked it up. Let's just blow house and, you know, let's, uh, you know, kind of restart and, uh, you know, recoup some assets, maybe a couple of years, you know, in the future. You know, we still have Taves and Kane. We still have people to build around. You don't do that. You have a guy, I mean, it, lately it's been coming out that John McDonough has been the one to fight the rebuild, and uh, now they finally have that chance, and you go, okay, great, awesome. 2020 offseason, you know, let's they can finally do a rebuild. Let's see where they go. Maybe they move some pieces. They get and some fans absolute. are willing for the rebuild. Like The fans want, want that the to happen. We want this to happen, yes. And you, so you go, okay, great. Oh, so you say McDonough's the issue. You fire him, and you say, okay, he was the one fighting the rebuild. Your first big moves of the offseason are telling Corey Crawford he can have $3.5 million without a, with a, I believe he was with or without a no movement clause. I can't remember. doesn't matter, I guess, at this point, because you offer yeah. him that. He says, uh, no, I'm not too sure about that. And then you ghost him. You don't talk to him. You don't communicate. You don't make any effort to keep him around. And then you just tell him you're moving on. Nothing. He is now and in your level. And they did that with Robin Leonard earlier in the year. They said take it or leave it, and they didn't like true. they didn't negotiate. No negotiation, no no communication. And uh, if you're a player signing in free agency or a player with a movement clause that wants to go to Chicago, do you want to go there now after that kind of crap that Bobin pulled off? No, no, no. And even more to that point, in in my opinion, and this really settled the deal. And this is regardless. Brandon Saad, I'm a very big fan of his game uh, ever since I was a young know, a younger kid. Really, eh? I don't care. I never knew. Big shocker. But this could be any core player in the Blackhawks. They moved. Brandon Saad's a big piece of this team, and he's a big piece of that locker room. The guys love him. That's why they brought him back. The players love that guy. He's part of that core, whether he is, you know, one of the best players or not. You know, even when he's not, he's part of that core in leadership sense. And that matters. And I know we joke about intangibles and leadership, yada, yada, but that does matter. You know, team chemistry is the biggest thing, you know, that's probably aside from skill, you know, that's the biggest thing to a team playing well. Look at Vegas in 2018, a team that meshes well, does that. Columbus has been doing that. And, and that's the thing when, sorry, that's the thing when a team, when you're drafting someone, you're not just drafting their skill set. You're drafting a human being like into the locker room. They're not a robot. They're not a robot. And, at least from the media side, they are, but not in inside the locker room. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> and now, now you trade. So you, we find out that on I believe I forget what day it was actually. Uh, Stan Bowman trades to Joe Sakic of the Colorado Avalanche. Which, by the way, if you're if you're any general manager in, in general, you should just not change, trade with them. You should not trade. Delete with them. his number. Like, honestly, snap your phone. Don't let the guy near you. Don't look at him in public. Don't do anything. That man is a monster. He will take it all the picks. Truly, I, I wouldn't blame you. Stan Bowman trades Brandon Saad, retained $1 million on his last year of his contract, and uh, Dennis Gilbert, who, you know, whatever, uh, for Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm, I believe, was his yep. name? Who had yeah. three points and 45 AHL games last year. At the age of 25, I believe. You got yep. you swap AHL defenseman. No big deal. Whatever. You've traded one of the best even strength pushing, like one of the best offensive even strength players in the entire NHL for a defenseman who 
is for a guy who's a third pairing defenseman at the age of 25, almost hitting 26, you know who this guy is. And if he turns out to be a solid, you know, middle, you know, second pairing guy like Murphy, great. You just traded a guy who was getting a first round pick and more at the deadline. You didn't, again, just like Gustafson, you don't move him when he's needed to. You move him when you feel like you want to and when you can get uh, something for it. Not only do you do that, but you take on one million of his contract. You then pay Zadorov three point two million with his qualifying offer, so you've saved point eight million dollars. It's not a dump. It's not an improvement on player. It's not a. It's not a move where you're getting something back. Here's the thing: trading Brandon Saad is not the issue. Retaining money on Brandon Saad is not the issue. Acquiring Nikita Zadorov is certainly not the issue. And anyone going after him and well, on his like social point. media, fuck you. Point. Like I don't know what else to say. Please the thing me. is, they didn't get. They didn't get any prospects back. They didn't get, like, I mean, this is wishful thinking. Yeah. They didn't get, like, an Alex Newhook, which would have been impossible. They didn't even get, like, a, say, a oh, Connor Chippins, a Martin Count, a Mar- uh, like, a Martin Count. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the other Shane person Bowers. Was. Uh, Shane, Shane, ba- Bowers. Shane Bowers. That was the first player I thought of. A, a first in Shane Bowers or a second in Shane Bowers. It's a fair trade. You're trading a guy who, uh, I mean, he plays a lot like Saad himself. You're trading a future in another, in a, in a you know, a lottery ticket. For a, a guy who you know is great now, that's that's a rebuild. That is a rebuild. You Are you mad at that trade? If you that's the trade? Yeah. Oh, a, a first in Shane Bowers or a second in Shane Bowers? I mean, that's fantastic. That's exactly what your team needs. You need you need prospects. You need picks. Here's the thing with Stan Bowman. He doesn't. When's the last time he's really got like an asset, a player that's moved the needle? Because Nikita Zadorov is another third pairing defenseman. Anton Lindholm is probably a seventh defenseman AHL guy. Maybe, What's... maybe seventh defenseman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just. But that's the thing. Was like, what's the last time you know Stan Bowman's got some kind of asset, whether that's a prospect, a draft pick, or a, just a player in general? Or it's like, holy crap, this. This asset can help the Blackhawks out for the next, like, however long, whether it's a player that will help them that can play in their top four defensive core or in their top six or a draft pick where, you know, you can get a really good player out of it or a prospect where it's like, holy crap, a few, three days, years down the line, where to get someone, he's going to be a really good player that can play in our top six or top four. You drafted a guy or two, Doc and Boak Fist, but, and, you know, no, they were, you know, so far, I love those picks, you know, Doc more than both so far. But, you know, that's because you you were bad the one year with Bogfist. He fell into your lap. And then the next year, you lucked into the third overall pick. And I'm not saying that Mark Kelly didn't do a fantastic job. I'm not saying Stan Bowman didn't make good picks there. I'm not saying I didn't. I like the Lucas Reichel pick from this year, too. Yeah. But you, you can't be doing, you can't only be drafting these players. You have to be getting them from other teams. You have to you have to be able to be a weapon when it comes to the trade. They aren't signing, you know, they aren't making big moves in free agency. I mean, I, you know, now at this point, I wouldn't want you to in terms of, you know, the fact that you aren't retooling, you have to rebuild. So the only option is to make trades. You're not making any good trades. I mean, no. not yet, at least. I can't mention, I mean, Olimata, that will no, no, there, there it is right there. That's where it got frustrating for me. He did move Olimata. He made a move that went, hey, that's a rebuild. You moved this guy. You took off me. Yeah, maybe like about a million of his salary, but you traded him for nothing. You you got his cap off the books. You'll put in, you know, you'll either put in a young guy or you put in a veteran. 
you you took Cap off the books, and there's you know, there's one step. And then right as it happened, it seems to be happening with Bowman the last while, few years. Him or McDonough, you can say what you want. It's one step forward and two steps back. You trade Olimata, you let your one of your you don't communicate with a top five goalie in franchise history. Let him walk because you didn't communicate jack shit whatsoever. You then covered up and say you wanted to do a youth a youth movement putting in, you know, Colin Delia, Subban, and Lincoln in, even though you made an offer to Crawford, clearly you wanted to keep him in some sense, but for whatever reason, you wouldn't communicate with him afterwards. I don't know what that means. I do not understand in any sense of negotiating why, what you were trying to accomplish there. That's like something you would do in middle school. Yeah. It's, it's passive aggressive. It's pissy. I don't know what it is. It's completely immature and unprofessional. But I don't know. I, I don't know what they're trying to gain. I don't get it. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for them. I don't get it. And then to make it even worse, you didn't communicate with Brandon Saad either. You go listen to his Colorado Avalanche interview. We can put it in the description of this video. You know, it, I hope he goes off. I know he's going to score thirty goals, thirty no, assists. He's going to score no, thirty. I'm confident. 30. He's going thirty thirty at least. He's going to score ten goals in that playoffs. Nathan McKinnon is going to. Nathan McKinnon is going to love. Brandon Saad. or Nazem Kadri or Nazem Kadri. Fucking man, so good. Colorado. I don't think we talked about. We need. I don't know if we'll get into this after, but like, I we can talk about like teams that won the draft because we haven't talked about the draft either, and teams that won the offseason because Colorado is just that's not even fair, dude. It's not. And the cherry on top of all of this. And this is the worst thing, and this made my heart drop as a Blackhawks fan. You know, someone who's watched since around 11, 12, and, you know, when Kane and Taves were really, you know, the big, you know, big names in Chicago besides uh, Jay Cutler and Ryan Erlocker at the time. Um, they're pissed off. Uh, there was no communication with Brandon Saad that he was going to be moved. It was sudden. There was no communication with the players that there was going to be a rebuild. Uh, source, Jonathan Taves himself, who from Elliot Friedman himself said, uh, a man who does not do interviews in the off season. Elliot Friedman has said he has tried many times to contact him. He does not do them. Taves right away went to Mark Lazarus and just let it out, let it out. He made it clear that they have not known of, any rebuild they have not been communicated with. They, he said that they go in every year with the mindset that they will go for another Stanley cup. And you know what? Hey, they're athletes. That's what they should. That's perfectly fine for them to do that. I don't, you know, we may not think that they'll make it there, but you know what? You're an athlete. You go there to win every time until you're told that you, you know, that you're going to take a step back this year. They, they weren't told to take a step back or to, you know, expect to be, you know, given a different roster, I should say. And from Elliot Friedman himself, I'm, he was abs- I believe he's absolutely right, and he uh, claimed that uh, he or he believes that if uh, they're doing that, they're, the Taves is putting an interview out there like that in the off season that he's doing it to let them know that they're pissed off. And uh, I'd say that Jonathan Taves speaks for uh, most, if not all, Blackhawks fans, and that's just kind of the situation here. It's been a slow, slow crumble, and that Corey Crawford. You know, issue was bad enough, and the Brandon Saad trade was simply the cherry on top. Okay. What are the Chicago Sorry. Blackhawks? <sighs> mediocre. I don't know, man. Are they mediocre. a rebuilding team? Are they a Stanley Cup contender? No, they're mediocrity. And 
What were the Chicago Blackhawks in their heyday? They were a fast puck moving possession team that even though, you know, you think of them not as this tough team, but they were mentally tough. They always came back. They're physically tough. They wouldn't take any shit from you. Like they were just so good. But what the hell are they now? What are they trying to be? Um, You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're a clear cup contender. You look at the Detroit Red Wings. They're clearly tanking, but they have an end goal. They have an identity. Yes. Yeah. Detroit has an end goal. They want to they want to accumulate assets, draft picks, so on and so forth to make their team better for the future. Tampa wants to win the Stanley Cup, which they already did, and I'm pretty sure they want to do that next year with all the players that they have on cheap contracts. What the hell are the Chicago Blackhawks doing? Here's the thing. I've been watching Breaking Bad, Jimmy, as you know. <laughs> I and know, I know. Yes. You remember you remember the episodes called Half Measures, the story that uh, Mike told to to uh, Walter White, you know, how he went, how this girl was like afraid for her life because this man was would strangle him and then he had a gun to his head but didn't do it, but then that guy killed that girl later. That was a half measure. You need to take full measures, the Chicago Blackhawks. Either you need to go, go, you need to go all in for the Stanley Cup, or you need to go all in for the rebuild. Which I'm assuming they're doing the latter part, but they haven't done that. Okay, they, they say the they have. That's the issue. They have messaged it. They have worded it as a rebuild, but there's no signs of it. Look at the New York Rangers. They put out that letter in, I believe, February of 2018. You look at the drafts. They drafted um, Vitaly Kravtsov, Keandre Miller, and Nils Lundqvist. Not a bad draft. They traded for Jacob Truga, Adam Fox. Not bad. Um, both yeah, of them are top. Capo Caco was a nice little draft pick there. Yeah. Right? Decent player. They got Capo Caco, second overall. Then they get Alexi Lafreniere, uh, first overall this year. Like They're just accumulating so many assets. They did buy, buy out Henrik Lundqvist, but you know why they did it? Because they both have Shosturkin and Gorgiev. Like they just have so many good players. Well, and not to mention like that, Aaron, because he used to be somebody scoring. He signed, he signed forever, and he's gonna, he's the guy, kind of guy who can be good for that long. And not to mention, they signed uh, a Hart Trophy candidate, mm-hmm. Artemi Panarin. It's funny how it comes back to that. <laughs> the Panarin going to the Rangers and Zibanejad breaks out. Like just everything is coming together for the Rangers. Obviously, luck is involved with them moving up in the draft, but a lot of it was accumulating assets and has Bowman done that at all? No, not at all. Well, you see nothing. nothing I've... In this too. <sighs> Man, I'm too hit to should, Bowman should not be allowed to clean up this mess. Like it should be a different GM. And I believe we're going to get into this, but, uh, um, Florida, you look at Florida, they fired Dale Talon, who funny enough was with the Blackhawks. <laughs> And Can look I please Florida's done. for a second over this? Pardon the yeah. awful language. I, 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 oh my God. Bill Zito is, I have a crush on Bill Zito. I, I really do. Like I, man, if I could see Bill Zito right now, I'd give him a big old kiss on the lips, man. This man. Put his picture as the, the podcast picture. <laughs> yes. Please. Me and my little boo. Me and my little boo Zito. Bill Zito is playing Moneyball. I just watched this movie for the first time yesterday. It's fucking fantastic. His dick comes in the room before he does. Hmm? His dick comes in the room before he does. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Bill Zito. Man, and by the way, best sports movie ever. Please watch it if you haven't. I'm sure most of you have before me. I'm uncultured. It's so, so good. It's exactly what a lot of teams should do. We talked about, you know, players, you know, have personalities and they're not just, you know, they're not just, uh, stat sheets and whatnot, but you have to look at those players with the stat sheets first, and then you look 
to the next thing. I don't know the personalities on this team, but I can look at the money and I can look at the players with that money. This man's first move is to move out Mike Matheson with six years left. Sorry, that's me. That's Mike Matheson. Mike Matheson. Sorry, yes, as you like to call him funny. Oh, my God, man. Incredible. It's like, uh, what is it, uh, Pavel Francis? I like that one a lot. I was uh, I was watching Canadians highlights the other day, uh, for whatever reason. I was I think I was watching a uh, oh it was uh Caden Primo I was watching his first game, and I don't know the name of the announcer on there, but man, Pavel Francis was having a fantastic game. How do you say it? <laughs> Francis, Francis, Pavel oh. Francis. Oh yeah, that's definitely a Canadian thing. A boot yes, it's, it's it's amazing. Oh man. Uh, and then uh, Miko Ranitin is another uh, really favorite, uh, really nice one of mine. That's not even a thing. That's just a that's just a bad pronunciation. Just a meme, yeah. Yes, Miko Ranitan. Uh, so anyway, back to my uh, my favorite Ooh. man, husband Bill Zito. First move gets rid of Mike Matheson, six years, four million <laughs> each season. This four point eight seven five to be this exactly. was the, What's that? Uh, four point eight seven five. For six years, oh. pretty much five dollars. Oh, it was five. Oh God. Oh, it was even worse than I thought. Jesus. Yeah, this was the only contract that could rival Seabrook because at least Seabrook had a slap shot. You, Mike, Mike, Mike Matheson had some nice skating, and that's about it. Couldn't play in his own end. Couldn't play in the other end. I want to uh, say, I want to say he's very good in transition, but like everything else in his game is just shit. <laughs> at least there's something, I guess. Jesus. Well, he gets moved to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know how. No retained salary, nothing. It almost didn't happen. Uh, we uh, Remember that team we had to wait in between and poor Charles, our fellow uh, Blackhawks and Panthers fans, he had to deal with that, but then it finally went through, and he was, like, so relieved. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. Patrick Hornquist throws his gear in the ground during that day and says, fuck it, you don't want me, I don't want you, and the trade goes through. The talk about moving an NMC man or making a guy wave it—he fucking threw it off his roof. Uh, and uh, there you go. He gets rid of the second, or maybe arguably the worst contract in the NHL. His first move as a GM for a for a solid middle six winger, a guy who can contribute and is paid for three less years for about the same amount of money. And this is why I think Bowman should not be allowed to, because he has attachment to those past players. I bet you Dale Talon had attachment to those past players, like someone like Michael Matheson. Mike, Michael Beeson, you look yeah. at the yeah, you look at you look at the tweet. It's like, um, oh he God. To be a Panther for two years, four years, six years, and then we made it eight years. <laughs> we started two years, then four, then six, and he said, "I want to be, well, I want to be a Panther. Let's make it eight. So Bill that is Zito's not just like that Bill is, Zito, I was a fan. That is the most terrifying thing I could possibly see. Bill Zito has no attachment to the guy. He comes in, he sees the money, and it's like, no, we need to get this out of here. And he does just that, and that's what we need in Chicago. Just no more, no attachment. Yeah, and gets like a fourth out. Of, a get the fourth out of it, a guy that they didn't need. It gets a fourth out pick out like of it. Like a depth defenseman. Like that's yeah. not that. He takes a chance. I mean, well, he comes from a uh, gosh, he comes from a Columbus. He was the assistant GM to Kekalainen. Um, Which, by the way, one of the more underrated staffs in the NHL is that Columbus front office. So seriously, it's seriously. Bill Zito. It makes sense that he's doing well, that well in Florida. Pierre Dubois is a Pierre Dubois is Kirby Doc, but with needing more time. <laughs> it's the same thing, man. A reach at three, uh, it's center, and everyone goes, "Oh God, what are they doing?" And 
He's actually really good. Bit dirty, but really good. You then you, you find... say that Leafs fan? How get owned? I say that as a man with 16 concussions too. Uh, Alexander Wenberg, you sign him after he gets bought out by your uh, your old uh, when I say your old boss, sort of uh, your old mentor. You take him in on a cheap 2.25 contract. You know it's a good chance. It's a one year. If it doesn't work out, great, low risk, high reward. You, you even trade him. him. Yeah, or yeah, and if he does well, trade him. If you don't like him, trade him too. Good, move him. You are uh, you sign Joe Quinville's boy and my boy too, Vinny Hinstroza, to a one year deal, uh, just around uh, yeah, exactly a million dollars. You sign Carter Verhage. You know, if you take him over, take some us uh, sloppy seconds from Tampa Bay. Sign him to a year as well. Um, and you just you, you're slowly adding up. You trade for Marcus Nudavara from your uh, again from your old mentor. You talk to him. You get Marcus Nudavara. You add something to the defense that. A guy like Matheson was supposed to add, but didn't. He's got Radko Gudas. Radko Gudas. I'm not bad. terribly high on this, but it's not. It's not horrible. Put him against the right competition. He's fine. You can run. You know. You can run I'll a. Probably play in the third pairing. You have to. Yeah, think. you'll have like a you know Keith Yandel, Ekblad. You'll have Nudavara and Weger. You know. Yeah, you throw him on the third pairing. You know, this is that's fine. Like you. He, and they also had a great draft too. Anton Lindell, twelfth. Emil Hainemann in the second round. They got um, uh, Vinny's boy Justin Sordoff at eighty-seven. Like they just had a, a lot of great picks. It just seems like everything's going up for. Uh, they also got Ty Smolanik, Michael Benning, who had a great year in the AJHL. Just like so many good players. I like. I, they're yeah. Wonderful. But I, yeah. This is uh, this is irony. I'm gonna turn my camera for a second. Go to my phone uh, to look something up. What we're talking about. This is what shows up. Oh, yeah. It's real pain hours here, man. Real pain hours. It really is. Yeah. But you look at a team like that, like you said, this is a guy who has no attachment to his players. He's not afraid to make the moves he needs to. This is exactly what a team like the Blackhawks needs. This is exactly it. But no, they're, they're, I mean, God, I love Rocky Wirtz, but he's holding on to the wrong guy. And his his uh, son, Danny Wirtz, is holding on I should say even more it's even more Danny he's as much as McDonough pushed Bowman around Danny Wirtz has given it sounds like the keys the house and the five Lamborghinis to Bowman he fully trusts him maybe I'm completely wrong but from what I've read that's what it is and I mean looking at him having the reins still it doesn't sound crazy at all to believe that I mean here's where we are but they need to bring somebody in they need to bring somebody in like Bill Zito with a more with a different mindset, not just a hockey guy who, you know, like it's a good quote from Moneyball. Uh, the guy goes up to uh, Billy Bean. He says, uh, you know, I've been in this for 30 years. I you know us baseball people know things that those guys don't. They don't need, you know, they only have computers, yada, yada. You don't have to be a hockey guy to know these things. You don't. Look at Kyle Dubas. Look you what don't. he's doing there in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, like, and listen, I don't think Kyle Lewis is the best GM. I don't think that he's the best negotiator whatsoever. But the thing is, look at the players he's drafting. Look what he's building around that team. Oh, by by the way, Toronto had a fucking amazing draft. I'm jealous. Oh, are we gonna? Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about that the draft winners and stuff like that? Free. Yeah, you know, let's like get away that. from the pain for a little bit. Uh, we'll get into yeah. the Outmark and Walmart signings later. Just some solid signings. Not uh, you. Not too much to talk about. But I think yeah, the draft. This is a. Uh, let's get some fun out of our mouths, please. Thank you. For sure. So, um, the last podcast we actually did was like right after the first night of the draft was done. So just the first round, and uh, me and Charles discussed the Reichel pick. We both really liked it, and I just want to hear what your what you thought about it. Oh yeah. Oh, so I think with Reichel, um, and God, yeah, I know 
it's a really really crazy for me to say this. He did remind me a lot of uh, reminds me a lot of Brandon Saad. Uh, not very fancy, you know. Just you know, he gets to the right spots. Very high hockey IQ. Drives results. Yes, drives possession. I believe. I think you've said as well. His underlying numbers are just wicked. I mean, he's a possession oh, they're, guy. They were dumb. I I love the biggest thing with him, and again, I'm not I'm not very good with evaluating players. I'm not the best at that stuff. But what I really loved from him is I thought his uh his zone entries were great, and not just that he gets into the zone fast or fancy. He he takes the time and he realizes where a play is going to develop if he takes a little bit more time. It's that little bit of patience that I think is really going to give him a long career in the NHL. Like he, I mean, in my opinion, you you go you swing for the fences with hockey IQ. And that kid has all of it and more. And he's he's getting taller, he's getting bigger, and not that you need the biggest guy, but you know he was a bit skinny for uh, he was a smaller player. He probably wouldn't have gone as high um, if it wasn't for him putting on some weight uh, during the uh, um, the during the, this pandemic and how far it's pushed the seasons back. Um, so he took advantage of that. He put on some weight. I believe he's about six foot, uh, somewhere around one eighty something. So, you know, good for him. He put on a lot of weight. He's about the right size. He's got the size to play the kind of game he plays. It's important because you see him a lot, you know, along the boards. And I, I, I'm really impressed at a guy who's not really the biggest and how well he does it. You know, I mentioned Brandon Saad, but that guy's, you know, he, he's not, he's not a, he's not skinny whatsoever, but this kid's uh, not the biggest himself. And, you know, he does a great job at it. He goes right to the net. He knows exactly where to be. The guy he compared himself to was Pedersen. Um, I mean, hey. I don't know if I see that. I, I, I wouldn't, yeah. I don't know about uh, the number one center, Pavel Datsuk, Elias Pedersen. But, hey, sure. But I, I see, yeah, much more of a Brandon Saad, a you know, guy who goes to the net, knows where to be, good shot, amazing hockey IQ, and not as good as Saad, you know, to go with the comparison. But he's solid in his own end. He's definitely not a liability, and that's more than enough when you have a guy who's that smart on the other end of the ice. He's uh, the guy I really wanted. I know a lot of us did was a Mirov, but I think Reichel brings a lot of what he does in terms of his incredible, you know, his his, his IQ, his uh, patience and whatnot. I think they're going to be really, really happy with him for a long time. I, I really think he'll be a top six guy, and I don't think it's crazy to say that. You know, I, I could see this guy getting 30 and 30, you know, at some point in his career, maybe even more, but oh, I really like the pick. I think it was, again, I, I you know, we, like we've said, you know, they, they can't sign, they can't trade, they can't negotiate, but man, they do draft well. Uh, this wasn't the best draft, but at least with their first round picks, they, they seem to hit on them pretty well, at least the last few years. Yeah, so we want to get into the rest of the draft. What did you think about Drew Camesso? I believe that's how you say that at uh, pick 46. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts too. I don't know if you uh, have talked about this any, uh, on the last podcast. No, we, did, we didn't talk about the oh, second the last, round, because yeah, like I said, the last podcast was just after the first round. Right, right. Drew Camesso, um, I, you know, it's tough because we don't know what's going on in the, you know, the war rooms and whatnot. We don't know what's going on through the phones and, and all that. I would have wanted Jan Mishik there or like Mysak. I don't really know much about him, but I know he's pretty or good. Or Mel Andre, or sorry, Eric Andre. Eric Andre, Eric Andre, yes, who plays for HK71. Oh, love You Eric can't Andre. spell American Dream without, Amer- without Eric Andre, by the way. <laughs> Great show, by the way. He's had a great show for a hockey player. Oh, yeah, by the way, in exactly a week, the newest uh, season of the Eric Andre show will be out. So, yeah. You're kidding. Exactly a week. You're no, kidding. I'm not, no, I'm not. In exactly a week, uh, October 25th. It's October 18th right now. All brand new season. Adult Swim? Yeah, Adult Swim. I'm pretty I sure. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
No fucking way. I like <laughs> What the God, fuck? This is breaking news to you. <laughs> Maybe 2020 isn't so bad after all, man. Oh my God. I need to text my girlfriend. Give me a second. Jerico Messo, though. Uh, so we, I think uh, a lot of us that, you know, you read, if you're reading The Athletic, you know, you're keeping up with the Blackhawks on Twitter and whatnot. It was, it was sort of not really common knowledge, but it was pretty hinted towards that they wanted a goalie in the second or third round. I wouldn't have um, taken him that high, though. There was just, like yeah. you said, Jan Mishak. There were so Jan many Mishak. other good players you could have taken. It's tough because you don't know, hey, what if you're not, you know, what if, Someone else wants him, and you want to get that goal. You trust that he's that guy. Like, you know, we, and like Kirby Doc, you know, we didn't like that pick, but that was their guy, and they trusted in him, and look where he is now. Again, goalies, it takes a long time to judge these picks, but, you know, and I, I trusted, you know, again, they got their guy, and especially with goalies, when you draft them, and they're drafted early, you know, you, or I shouldn't say no, you would assume it's because there's interest from other teams, and you want to grab that guy fast. But I, I, I would rather have picked the, oh my gosh, Blomquist, um, I really liked. He but, went, he went right after to Pittsburgh, I think, and it's funny because yeah. Pittsburgh picked two goalies. I think it was Blomquist and Cali Klang from Sweden. Now I yeah. believe that's how you say it. And it just stings even more for me because I, I preferred Nico Dawes and Blomquist, and yeah, and I was, I was just going to bring up Nico Dawes went eighty fourth overall. They could have waited till the third round and got someone better. With uh, this they could have waited till last year where they fucked up paperwork. Didn't bring him yeah. into the training camp. That stings for me because that's a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, looking at him on his own as a second round pick, I, I like him. I, I think he's all right. He's got some. He's put up some really good numbers with the uh, U.S. development team. I like him a lot. That was way weaker than last year's team, by the way. Yes, that is true. Yes, that's going to take into account. I did forget about that because that last year's team, man, that was uh, that was special. That was something. So uh, yeah, I, I like the pick. I like the player. I don't know if I like where he was picked exactly. Uh, I'm gonna pull up. Yeah, definitely. That's my whole thing with him. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the uh, rest of the players. I, I did do a little bit of research on each, uh, on each of them. I promise I'm uh, becoming a draft scout like you and Charles. I'm getting there. <laughs> I wouldn't even call myself a draft scout to be honest. Really. Okay, nerd. Shut up. Uh, the 79th overall, Lennon Slaggart. I don't like that pick either. Yeah, that was one we talked about plenty. Um, and I, I, I found a way to put it for myself, where I yeah, I got the whole little like little uh graphic the Hawks made. Lucas Reichel, great. Drew McCarmesso, fine. You know, like the player again. Lennon Slaggart is even more so of how I felt about Drew Comesso. I do like Lennon Slaggart. Um, I, I do think he'll be a solid player. Um, I think he could be a bottom six guy. That's the thing. That's the whole thing with this draft, though. Besides, yeah. outside of Reichel and Camiso coming a starting goalie, do yeah. any of these players play in the t- your top four defensive core or your top six forwards? In I don't this, think so. In this draft, in no, this draft, I don't think so. in a long time, in this draft, you should be swinging for the motherfucking fences, man. And this is why I've liked the Blackhawks draft past uh, past drafts. You look at last year. Um, fourth round, I think they got Michael Tepley. They got Antti Sorella, who are very oh, yeah. much fun. No, we know for... they so pretty, yeah. I was and thinking then... about that. I'm like, huh, yeah. I'm like, I forgot what they did in 2019. Yeah, they had Sorella. They had Tepley later in those rounds. Those are solid picks. Uh, I know. And then in 2018, they had Kurashev in the fourth round. Oh, like, that's... Dick Wines wasn't the then... time. Neither was Nordgren. Yeah, like those are swings for the fences. These were very much very safe picks. 
I heard some scouts are like, oh, they're all, all right picks, but they're not really going to amount to much. And at that time in the draft, I'm very much of the believer that even like with your first overall pick, you swing for the fences. You always swing for potential because potential always looks good. Because if you're even if they don't pan out or they don't become what they can be, you can use them in a trade and say, hey, this guy could be this, that, and the other, and you can get a good like player back. You know, that's why always I think you always draft always for upside. You can. Pick the best player available. So I, I have become so strong about that opinion with this draft. Just you draft the best player available. That's what you do. Lucas Reichel was, in my opinion, a swing for the fences. He is oozing with potential. That kid is a fucking so smart in the ice. Like it, I love that kid, full of potential. The only other picks that I really liked were Wyatt Kaiser. Was oh, I loved Wyatt Kaiser. That yeah, was a good pick. That's what I. How do you feel about it? I wasn't a big. I was I wasn't a big fan of the picks outside of really the first pick, Lucas Reichel, but Wyatt Kaiser I do like a very good defensive defenseman, and I think he could be like a number four slash five. Mm, interesting. I'll take it from you, Mr. Draft. Again, not very high, a bottom pairing defenseman, but like when at that late in the draft, the way he can play defense, the Blackhawks need that. And he yeah. can skate very well too. What are your thoughts on uh and these are <laughs> what do you like uh Chad Yetman? Who the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I really don't know anything about that. Nothing for the guy. Hey, if you're listening, hey man, you you played hockey uh, a little bit better than I have. Yeah, uh, I would. I would here. personally. Uh, but in this draft, I just I don't. I forget. I, at that point, I don't know if there's anybody available that I, I knew of, or if anybody was really like hoping for. But it's. Uh, but when you're drafting a guy who's 20 years, I think he's 20 years old, coming out of coming out of the OHL. Like, what do you? I don't get it. I don't get so it. So here's the thing. They drafted um there was someone you really liked, Antonio Stranges, who yes. is a complete liability in his own end. It really does nothing without the puck, but when he has it, oh boy, he's great. And Ooh. that's someone you take a gamble on. And uh Blackhawks could have picked him, but no. They go for someone like Michael Crutel at that pick. But right after those picks, he they could have gotten Zia Nybeck. They could have gotten uh, William Villanova, who I believe led the QMJHL in primary points, if I'm not mistaken. Antonio Stranges, who I just brought up. Sean Farrell. Sean Farrell, who played for the Chicago Steel, was part of that line with, uh, what's it called? Uh, Brandon Brisson and Sam Colangelo. You could have gotten Tyler Tululo, who was point per game in the OHL. You could have gotten Martin Kromiak who was a uh, point per game in the OHL as well. Like You just go on and on. Anton Johannesson, who was point per game. And uh, and the, the U20 Swedish League, um, you could have gotten uh, my boy, who I had in my top 20, VT Mietnin, <laughs> who instead went to the Leafs. He had scored 40 goals in uh, the U20 League, which is nothing to scoff out by any means. You could have gotten Connor McLennan, who was point per game in the WHL. Like, I could just go on and on and on and on. But no, they just kept going for these safe picks. Uh, I also like Isaac Phillips, who they picked it in the fifth yeah, round, I believe. I no, sorry, the sixth round, but... Again, I think they just got to swung for people yeah, with more upside. Like, I know my name is Phillips. I like it, but but there are so many picks we could you know, like. Not just it's not about. Um, I need to love the pick. I need to feel good. I need to make the fans excited. It's not that you need to. It's forget that. I want to. I want to see the Blackhawks picking guys, and they, sh- in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions who know these know this shit about this, they should be picking people who. You're not just looking at and going, oh yeah, he'll you know, he can maybe like you know, like a third pairing guy, maybe. 
Like we're not we're not looking at hey you know this insanely deep draft. You know they grabbed every bit of potential available and they're stacking up and they're just going all out. I mean because you know what if if one of those guys hits, he probably makes more he probably makes more impact than a bunch of like you know a bunch of low tier players, a bunch of bottom six guys and third pairing defensemen. They're going to make impact if one of those players hits full of potential. And we're talking about a team that made full. Sorry, you can go. Oh, no, no. I'm just going to say this draft kind of felt like a microcosm of this entire situation. Just slow mediocrity. That's... Yeah. And we want to talk about a team that made the most of their picks. Do you want to get on to the winners of the draft? Ooh. I think we already brought this up, but holy crap, the Toronto Maple Leafs had an amazing draft. They took, obviously, our guy that we really wanted, Rodion Amirov at number 15, but then this is where they really started to steal. Um, They traded, I believe, I forget which pick it was, the 44th pick, and they traded back, got two more picks. <laughs> Ottawa went up and, of course, picked Tyler Clevin because big physical defenseman, he hits, blah, blah, blah. With those picks... Toronto got the 59th overall pick, Roni Hervonen, who played in the, the Liga, held his own, plays a very good two-way game, very good value for that pick. And at the 64th pick, Topi Nimala, who also played in the men's league um, and put up decent numbers, like amazing trade. Um, I'm trying to look at their other picks. I don't have them off the top of my head. I'm really just literally just looking at Wikipedia right now, but they had amazing picks. I already brought up VT Mian in, in the... Uh, the sixth round, that's a great pick. Arctur Aktemiyamov, who is a goalie who had very good numbers in the MHL. Again, just a, a good bet that could potentially be a good player. They got William Velenove, who I already brought up already, but I believe yeah. he led the QMJHL in, er, in like primary points. Something like that. I can't remember the exact, but it was very good. They got Dmitry Ovenchinkanov, I believe that's how you say that, who was point per game in the MHL. Like They're just swinging and swinging for upside, and I love what they're doing. Again, VT Miatnin. And uh, Axel Rindel, I think that's who it was. But, uh, yeah, they just kept going. They really did not miss in that draft, and I love what they did, and I wish the Blackhawks did that. Um, uh, you're you're kind of a Maple Leafs fan, so what did you think about that? You know, I haven't really gotten to the to looking at the draft just yet. I've been, uh, I, don't, I was, uh, you know me, I was busy house-sitting, you know, just working my ass off. Sitting you know? on your house? Yeah, sitting on my house and looking at dogs and giving them food for seven days. Real exhausting work. <laughs> But I haven't um I haven't actually taken a huge look at their uh, huge look at their draft picks currently. But I mean, uh, right off the bat, I, I remember Amira being on the board, and I saw you know Kyle Dubas on the screen, and I'm like, you know, yeah, this is exactly who he's gonna pick. And from then on, it was from I mean from what I was seeing, and uh, you know I I I definitely need to look into it more because you're right, I do follow the leaps. I uh, can definitely talk about that at some point, but um. I heard a lot, you know, it seemed like a lot of, uh, like you said, you know, swinging for the fences, like a uh, William Villeneuve, a guy who, uh, you know, it wasn't that you said led the QMJHL in uh, primary points? As a defenseman. I should have, I didn't I didn't preface that before, but I believe it was as a defenseman oh, in the QMJHL, so, if I'm not mistaken. That's so impressive. Like, that's so insanely impressive. When they get him the fourth, fifth round, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot, I'm going to pull this up. I completely forgot to bring this up. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Oh, while you're doing that, another team I think that won um, the Minnesota Wild. Obviously, getting Mark Rossi at nine, oh. the biggest deal on the draft in my mind. It's yeah, like how Travis Segrist. The Buffalo Sabres select from the Ottawa Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn. Yeah, they thought they were going to mixture of uh, Jack uh, Hughes and Quinn Hughes, but uh, no, they got Jack Quinn. 
Um, but again, but back to Minnesota, Marco Rossi at number nine. They traded uh, Luke Cunning and a bunch of picks for uh, Nick Benino, but in turn, they were able to get uh, Marat Kuznadidov at 37, which I loved. Um, I'm trying to look at further other picks. I think they only had like five picks, but they made the most of them. Damon Hunt at number 65. They got, oh, yes, and uh, they got Ryan O'Rourke. Um, I'm just trying to see which pick it was. Number 39, I like that. I think he could be potentially a number four defenseman. I just like what uh, Minnesota did with uh, so very few picks. But, uh, yeah, good for them because they just – they always seem like this team that uh, never really drafts well. Well, that's not that they draft well, but they always go for the safe picks. And in the draft, you got to swing for upside, and I think that's exactly what they did. Another team is uh, Carolina. They just – they never miss in the draft. They had an incredible draft last year. Oh, no, 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 no. We talk about Carolina. Oh my God, man! What a draft. Number thirteen, Seth Jarvis. Uh, that's just as much as a swing of an upside as it you could get. Um, of course, they get Noel Gundler, number forty-one. Like why? Of course, dude. They get Vasily Ponomarev, who had some like late first round talk, I believe, at uh, number fifty-three. Um, I'm trying to see who else they got. They got Alexander Nikishin, who had a few points in the KHL as a, a defenseman and a draft eligible year, which is pretty hard to do. Of course, they got Zion Nebeck at 115 just because of Carolina. Like, it's just, it's, it's so stupid how good Carolina is good at drafting. Look what they had last year. And it's just the same thing as Toronto was doing this year, just accumulating as much uh, volume draft picks as you can with upside and then hope maybe one day they turn into something or they turn into trading chips. You know, you, that's what you want to do. You want to get assets. And then, and then the, the cherry on top, Alexander passion in the seventh round who was point per game in the NH- NHL. I believe he's only like five foot six or something like that. But again, swing for upside. And that's yeah. what you need to do. You know, we had a solid draft. I didn't mind it all. Uh, least early on was um, uh, Anaheim. Uh, Jamie Drysdale, Jacob Perot, and uh, Sam Clay. I can't. I like. Yeah, that. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on yeah. that. I actually didn't look at the rest of their picks, but uh, yeah, just those three picks alone, man. That, okay. That, man, that man, that where are you finding there. your? Uh, I'm I'm having trouble finding a, a website where I can find the. Uh... Oh, I'm just I'm literally just scrolling through on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm trying so hard to find like uh, somewhere I can just see it team by team. It's just oh my god. But, Another uh, Californian. You know what? All the Californian teams had good drafts. Look at uh, LA. Again, they're just another team that doesn't miss. Number two, Quentin Byfield. Um, second round, uh, they got Helgi Granz at 35, oh. which is just, again, an amazing pick. Great. Very high upside in that kid. He, he's got potential. Love his game. Oh, man. Who else did they get? I know. I, uh, Kasper Simone Tevel, I believe that's how you say that. High goal scorer. That's- for the U20 Tapera team, uh, small, but a ton of upside there like that. And again, I could not mention the last of the picks, the last of the picks, and that still would have been a W for them. But number 83, they got Alex Laferriere. Yes! <laughs> Obviously, I was hoping we'd get, I was hoping to at least get him, God, in that draft. At least just yeah. get the guy from here. Just at least we'll get Jack yeah. next year. Um, I'm just trying to see what else Elliday did. But, uh, yeah, honestly, they had such a good draft, and uh, same with San Jose. They really didn't have much, but they made they made the best of it. They didn't have their third overall pick or whatever it was because I went to Ottawa, but they got Ozzy Weisblatt at uh, number thirty one. They got um, they got uh, Thomas Bordalo at number thirty eight, which is a very good pick, arguably the best player on the USDB team this year. Um, they got Tristan Robbins, 
who had one point per game with the Saskatoon Blades, who was Kirby Doc's team. And then mm-hmm. they got, I think, uh, Brandon Coe in the... Oh, no, they got Daniel Gushchin, who had an incredible year in the USHL, but he was only like 5'7 or 5'8, but a ton, ton of offense. And then they got Brandon Coe, 98th overall. Like, they just had an incredible draft, I thought. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've looked into the draft that much, but uh, those were kind of my winners. Oh, man. Damn. Well, we could talk about the uh, winners of the offseason so far. And uh, Oh, yeah, let's get into that. All right, let's say it on in, uh, on my mark. Three, two, one, Colorado. Oh, you're supposed to say Colorado, but that's great. We don't have to do that. Colorado goes without saying that they just won the offseason. Like, Devon Taves, they got for two seconds, I think. They got... They resigned. I don't uh, care if you had a bad, I don't care if you had bad postseason. It's a small sample of games down for two second round picks, and you've got them for. They'll probably have them for a long time with how well Joe Sackick runs that team. Yep. Uh, a team that I thought surprisingly did well, the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, I didn't say Buffalo, which I also. Think. Oh yeah, we can get into that. So um, Edmonton. Edmonton. So. They did exactly what they needed to do. Bargain, but you're right. Mike Smith, exactly. Yeah, that that. Yes. But uh, <laughs> Kyle Turris and uh, Tyson Berry. Uh, I think they got Kyle Turris for one point six five for two uh, for, per for two years, which is very good. Even though he's not good defensively at all, and same with Tyson Berry. At least <laughs> they can provide offense, which is what you needed in that series against uh, Chicago. You needed depth outside of uh, McDavid and Drysaddle, and I believe they got that with guys like. Uh, Guys like Turris, guys like Barry, who, again, not going to give you much defense, but they're definitely going to provide you offense. And uh, they didn't add any stupid contracts. They have they re-signed That's Ennis for very it. cheap, but then, of course, they re-signed Mike Smith when you could have gotten, say, Corey Crawford. And I believe there's still guys out there that you could have gotten better that, that are I'm better than Mike Smith. check that right now. We're going to make a little list of goalies that are not Mike Smith. Yeah, so pretty much any goalie out there, really. <laughs> Yes. Good, but yeah, good I'm, I'm, honestly, Mike Smith and also free agents. But honestly, like Edmonton did not do a bad job, like even with the Mike Smith. Really? Like how it was only one year, like one point five, right? So No, I I, guess, it was harmless. It was just God, it was so funny. The outrage over a Mike Smith resigning on Twitter just shows you how important like hockey is where you live in uh Edmonton. It's insane. Ryan Miller, uh Ooh, I really didn't think this one through. I mean, Craig well, Anderson. I'd say Craig Anderson over Mike Smith. I don't know about you. I'd easily uh, take they're both, they're both declining, dude. But like, just oh, looking at what the goalies went for, like Crawford, uh, New Jersey. I just think they could have done so much better. Even Thomas Grice to Detroit. Yeah. I think that was solid. I don't like. Apparently, Thomas Grice is an ad. Even Aaron Dell. Even Aaron Dell to well, Aaron Dell's. Aaron Dell's hundred thousand. That would have been that would have been better for them than Mike Smith, and it would have been half the price, pretty much. Yeah. You know what's an interesting goalie situation? Um, I just want to bring it up briefly because I just it, I'm I'm so confused by it. I did not know Cam Talbot was a Minnesota Wild player. Oh yeah, <laughs> like three days they ago, of, like, they got rid of Dubnik, which good for them. But uh, Stalock and Dubnik is, or not Stalock, Dubnik, Stalock <laughs> and Talbot's not bad for them. But then you have Kakin as well, and I'm guessing. I mean, I probably sound like Adam Wild right now, you know, like talking about some other team and not like what the hell's going on. But Panarin, I, Panarin, Brandon Sagru, just 
you know, declining. Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin. They trade him for Brandon Saad, who I don't, you know, I honestly don't think is very good anymore. You know, uh, but Capo Kakinen, um, great name by the way, uh, in the context of uh, it being 2020 and existing in the same league as Capo uh, Kako. Kako. I'm guessing, I mean, I, I hope for their sake, you know, you use, uh, you know, Staylock or Talbot, you know, one of them goes after a couple of years and he comes in uh, full time because, I mean, he looked pretty solid this year. I, I, I liked a lot from what I saw of him as an outsider. So, you know, hopefully he, uh, you know, for them, he goes into that role. Hopefully for the Hawks, he uh, completely falls off the face of the earth, but I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got, uh, that was very interesting to me because I thought Kakinen really was, uh, I really thought he'd be a, uh, uh, someone who stayed up with them, but no, they uh, pulled in. And in my, I'm, I'm sorry, Cam Talbot seems like the most Minnesota Wild player ever. Is he not? He's just kind of there. That's exactly why. Cam Talbot just is a goalie. He's a goalie. He's fine. He isn't bad. He's just he's there. And just like the Minnesota Wild, he's he's there. Yeah, uh, Kakinen, but only. Oh man, I was completely off. Only five games. I swore he played, mate. <laughs> I swore what? he. Played more than that. Oh God, that was awful. <laughs> Jesus, I've got. I mean, cap friendly has him all the way back to his U sixteen. Jeez, imagine being fifteen, sixteen years old and you're on cap friendly. It's incredible. <laughs> that's maybe that's where Pierre Maguire gets all his information. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He wakes up and he sees a new post on cap friendly. Oh my God. Before we start the commentary of the preview show, and that's right, Luke Shed played for the Colorado Rockets of the WHL. He won a Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Back to you, talking night. So, Gord. God, I just imagine him waking up and he's like, Oh, they uploaded the U16 teams. <laughs> Finally. Except he didn't talk about that. You're like, Oh boy, the, the U16 teams are up. <laughs> Uh, gosh, what a character, Pierre Maguire. What a guy. Certainly. So, do you want to talk about uh, Taylor Hall to Buffalo? I sure do. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. I want to talk about Buffalo as a whole, though. We've, uh, you know, we uh, talk about how Bill Zito has slowly uh, kind of retooled the uh, Florida Panthers. And while I, I do have think not that... hated what Buffalo's done, they just need some. Their defense to be better, and they just need some damn goaltending. And supposedly, Linus Omar give that gives them that, but he hasn't signed yet, so he does have a little bit of oh, progress. Dude, I, that, yeah. I like what they've done so far. Definitely, our yeah, yeah. I really like Linus Omar. I really hope he stays there. I like his pads too. Great pads obviously means a great goalie. So uh, great pads, best pads in the league, bar none. I've never yeah, seen definitely the best pads. I'm telling you. I only like the best pads, and he has the best pads. I wouldn't like them if they weren't the best. Thank you. But uh, I like what Buffalo. I like what Kevin Adams has done there. I, I, it seems like the Pagulas have, uh, I, from what I remember, um, I, I believe. Oh man, I heard this on the the uh, SDP or the um, uh, Thirty Thoughts, Thirty One Thoughts now, right? Yes. Yeah, it's gonna be Thirty Two Thoughts soon. Oh wow! Incredible, <laughs> inspiring. But uh. Apparently, the people there, really trusted in uh, put, or put their trust in uh, Kevin Adams, and I like what he's done so far myself. Uh, moving a guy like Marcus Johansson, who's kind of a, a more defensive center, not really providing too much offense. He's not even college. a center. He's a, better as a winger. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, you, but, you, but you trade you trade for, I mean, yes, of course they do. 
But you trade for Eric Stahl, who is, you know, a bit up there, but he's still got plenty of game left and he can play. He can be a second line center behind a Jack Eichel. You know, you can that that works out. Um, I forget if they've done. You know, let me uh, pull up their cap friendly because that's how any of us know anything. Why right? Eric Stahl? It, it gives them more depth options. It helps insulate guys like Cousins and even Middlestad yes. and and even just acquiring Taylor Hall you can, put, you can you can put Taylor Hall with Jack Eichel or you can put Taylor Hall with uh Eric Stahl and you know have that have uh two elite goal score elite uh point producers on two separate lines or you can just stack it up like it just gives Buffalo more options which they haven't had much of in the past yeah and I I really I think that a lot of this comes down to they just need to put it together yeah like I like you know a guy like Dylan Cousins needs to come up, and he needs to have, you know, he needs to be effective, and he, you know, maybe as a third, uh, third line center, you know, he can move into that second line center role with a guy like Eric Stahl mentoring him, and you know, giving him that space, you know, giving him that room, like you said, to giving him the uh, ability to be in a bottom six role to develop there. Um, I, and it, we've we've said this before, it feels like there's just something in the water in Buffalo, and I really. I think that, um, you know, I've seen Kevin Adams do so far. He's not handing out big contracts. He's not giving, you know, Billy Leno 10 million years. Oh, my God. And Jeff yeah. Skinner, $72 million over eight years. Oh, my God. I was talking with uh, Charles about that the other day, and he's like, no, it's like 7.58. And I'm like, no, look. No, it's 9, nine million for Nine for eight. Like, nah, nah, you're not. He's not trying. And there's still seven years left to go. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Hockey men. rebounds. You never know. Hockey men. But, you know, we're we're seeing that the guys like Bill Zito and Kevin Adams so far, they're not trying to build through free agency. And when they do put add free agents, they're they're cheap contracts. To Tobias Reader, Tobias Reader just had the most, I, I believe, shorthanded goals by a player in a in a series. I believe he set that record against the Stars. I think it was in a playoff run. In a play, there you go. And it was in the first round. It was in the first round, and I'm not saying he's going to go do that every, you know, like he's going to play at that same level, you know, right away. But clearly, a guy who can still bring something on the penalty kill, any team would like that, you know. You got to have a good penalty kill to win, and there's a guy who can do that right there. You know, Sam Reinhart does not have to be that number one winger anymore. I can't believe I'm saying number one winger, Sam Reinhart. That's the issue with this team. Even at least for now, you've got Taylor Hall coming in. You know, you've got a guy for a year who, oh my God, man. That that line is going to be monstrous to play against. Like you got it can be just Cooper, Paul Eichel and whoever. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, he, slap Reinhardt in the wing and just destroy worlds. Or you can put Reinhardt with Stall and you can fuck put me out there, man. Just throw pucks off me in it. You're really a coach. I'm ready. Yeah, exactly. Throw my fucking Jofa helmet. I don't even need to put gear on. Just shoot off my hand, dude. Like that's that, that line's going to dominate. That line's going to be sick. We and we what we've talked about this though, the issue is still the depth. That team does need depth. They need a guy like Casey Middlestat to come up and be something. <laughs> That's amazing you know, right there for him. Yeah, this is yeah, I would assume that this is like yeah, this is, you know, his last chance to do something. Really hope Alex, gets traded, or, hopefully uh, Alex Neilander makes a difference or he'll get traded to the Blackhawks, you know. You know, as yeah. it seems to always happen with every I mean, if you're if you're drafted in the top ten and you're struggling in the age, or if you're doing all right in the AHL and you're struggling up top in the in the majors, it's a chance Stan Bowman is keeping an eye Even on Slater you. Cuckoo. Even Slater I think Nikita Zdorov went 15th overall. I think. 15th overall. Brendan uh, Perlini. Yeah, he was a top 15 pick too. Yeah, Hawks. Yeah. Reclamation projects galore. Huh. Yeah. 
But, uh, Robert Zubat even win the first round in 2012. Very much a reclamation project. He has struggled, you know, his whole career. I mean, maybe he be... That's the thing. That's... Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that. I've already suffered enough tonight. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really think that it's the offensive depth is really the issue. I think Linus Olmark and Carter Hutton are fine enough tandem to get you to the playoffs if you have a good – like, if your defense plays well, like you got. Their defense isn't awful. It really isn't. You, you, you need to put it together, like you said. Yeah, like – the names, they just need to put it together. Rasmus Delene, Henry Okiharyu. That's a fan – Fucking tastic first pair. That could have been the Blackhawks had uh, the balls went the right way. Uh, that's uh, the story of my life. But the balls going the wrong way though. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. <sighs> yeah. I mean, well, I guess Matt Irwin's gonna save the day. Maybe he'll put it all together or something. I don't know. But no, I really like their defensive core. I think Jake McCabe. Well, I've heard mixed things about Jake McCabe. Um, I. I like why I saw him, you know, when he played, he played against the Blackhawks. Heard, I've also heard good things. I don't know what he brings. Montour apparently you know, had a rough year last year, but he's still he's twenty three. People are worried about his career. He's not twenty three years old. He'll figure it out. Colin Miller's a solid defenseman, very underrated. I mean, you again, you've got names. Rasmus Ristolainen, a uh, little, he's the polarizer. He's, yeah, we can make a whole episode dedicated to him. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. But yeah, they again, all the names just just can't put it together. So yeah, that's what that is. Just yeah. wonder when are they going to take that step? It's, it's what it always is, isn't it? You know, it's always been that with them. But honest to God, I, I really feel like this. Could, I, I I don't say this with Buffalo, but I really I do think this could be their year to really like blow into the scene. I really hope they do because Buffalo is just one of those towns where they're if they're going, it's good for the NHL, especially with a player like Jack Eichel and now Taylor Hall and even Rasmus Dahlin and all those other guys. And uh, Henry Okiari. Yep. Yeah. Wonder how the wonder how they got him. That's weird. Maybe, right? Honestly, I think right now just I don't know. I feel like he's the kind of guy the Blackhawks could use in the back end. You know, can he's mobile, good transition, can make some offensive production. You know. Weird. How could they get a guy like that? That's interesting, dude. Uh, you just you know drafts are a crapshoot. You never know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, whatever. They wouldn't be able to get a guy like that. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, I I, I really I, I I agree with you. It's a huge hockey town. It, it, I would love to see, especially in those New Jerseys. I would oh love. Oh my to god, see the Royal Blue those. Those are hot, dude. They need to never change these jerseys ever again. They're perfect. You should have never changed them. Never do it again. Never do no. it. Again. They're perfect. Oh. They're classics. They're, they're. I'm sorry. They're up there with the Blackhawks jerseys. They are absolute classics. Oh, they're beautiful. I'm gonna be. I'm like 100 buying a Dolly or Jack Eichel one with those on them, or like a. What about a Yoki Haru one? Big man, don't do that to me. <laughs> Put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. What's the goalie carousel this off season? I want to see. I saw a GIF. I forget what the order was and how the goalies moved, but it was just like they moved (laughs) the faces and teams, and like it's just crazy. Like it it showed the logo, and it just showed like the goalies' faces, like pictures moving. Like it was was just crazy. Um, Brain Holby to Vancouver. I honestly don't mind that. Uh, He has a no movement clause. And he's kind of like a mentor to Thatcher Demko. And how yeah. about that now? The Vancouver Capitals, they got Jay Beagle, Brian Hope, and they just acquired Nate Schmidt. So. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The best thing, three most likable players on, on that team and, and some of the three most likable players in the entire NHL. Especially guys like Hopi, who do a lot of oh, work yeah. in the LGBT community. 
and Nate Schmidt smiles a lot, and he does cocaine. Bro, what a nice guy. Jay Beagle, though, we all know is just fucking awesome. Jay Beagle's Jay Beagle. Good oh, for him. You know, everyone says the contract shit, but, like, honestly, good for him. The fact that he, <laughs> he played in the ECHL, worked his way up to the AHL, then to the NHL, then won a cup. And, uh, I want to go like his Antoine Roussel. I, I just... I don't think you need a guy like that in your team. I don't want. To, I don't think you. I don't think any NHL team should have a guy like that on there. But that's just. It's more of a personal thing. Apparently, he's. Is Antoine Roussel hashtag actually good? I've heard he's good defensively. I I think he's an underrated playmaker, but I don't think the Vancouver staff came with that in mind. Like, yeah, no, this guy's no, an no, ugly no. good playmaker. No, they went. We want him to punch people and yell into the crowd as he does it. Yeah. That's why he's there. Just think about how much better the Vancouver Canucks would be if Jim Benning just turned off his phone and destroyed his phone for free agency. In the summer, yeah. Or you could just pull in anybody else. Just pull in some guy and go, hey, like, pull in. Hey, you know, Pierce, you know what? You should honestly just ask him to run the phones in the summer. You, you could do that. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you can do that. Get it done. Us people sitting in our rooms were, you know, clearly, you know, we can just, we're there, obviously. I look at computers. I'm smart. Computer. Uh, let's Speaking see. Of, uh, the the Vancouver uh, Capitals. What about the Calgary Canucks? I was just gonna bring that up. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, uh, Chris Tanev. Who else was there? Gosh, uh, I think they got. Oh man, I I'm, I'm blanking out on who they got. But yeah, they got uh, Henrik Sundin. No. The Vinky. You know that they were. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> God. Who's that coming? Did you know that the Vinky twins were in Edmonton yesterday? They were at West Ed because they're from uh, Vancouver, I think. Oh, good for them. Did you get to talk to them? No, I didn't. Did you ask I wish I could. Did you ask them? <laughs> no, someone else did. <laughs> Amazing. It's sad that in 2020, this is that's like my form of entertainment. This is what we've yeah, come to. This is where humor's evolved to. Yeah. I'm uh, trying, I thought... I thought um, Calgary signed three Canucks. I, I think it was just Markstrom and Tanev, I guess. I guess so, but it was, uh, yeah, no, uh, but two beat, yeah, two, two, beat, two beat pieces of the Canucks like last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to get Vancouver really quick. Um, you mentioned those bad contracts. Sven Berchi, one year left at three point three. Forgot him, He's not I doing it. Michael Furland is. Michael Furlan has three injury, injury prone to prone. Yeah. Very much like the Andrew Shaw uh, trade. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you signed it, but whatever. Decent offensively when he's healthy. And that's a big if big. Yeah. Oh, big, huge, huge. If Antoine Roussel still has two more years of 3 million. I don't hate that. JB Eagle with three mil for two more years. I, don't, I actually don't hate that. They could be spending their money like way, way better though. That's no, the thing. I would take out. I wouldn't. Basically, you're kind of getting like oh, I wouldn't say the same player. They're, they're different players. I'd I'd want a guy like Jay Beagle, great defensively. I don't want a guy like Antoine Roussel. You know, he, he doesn't. Well, and this is this is not from a Jim Benning standpoint, but why you don't need an Antoine Roussel on your team? You really don't in this NHL. You don't need. Well, I mean, yeah, Michael Furland. I can't blame him on that one. It, it looked like a good you know a good move at the time, but. You know, injury prone. It is what it is. We haven't even brought this guy up, Louis Erickson. Louis Erickson. Oh, there's that haunting you from the past. You got no brain. Is he at five years or six years? Because if it, he has five years, this is his last year until free agency. No, he's got two more six years. years. Yeah, he still has two more years. Yeah, that's more gonna years. that's gonna be tough, especially when you get to sign guys like uh, Quinn Hughes and uh, Elias Patterson, you, uh, you know, and Thatcher Demko. 
You want to hear something fun? What? Elias Pettersson, one more year as an RFA. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I think, uh, is Quinn Hughes in the RFA next year, or is that the year after that? Oh, no. One more year until he's an RFA. So the same thing as Pettersson? Yep. Oh, my they God. Have to, they have to That's sign him. It's just going to be bridge deals. And I'm, pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure they're already having trouble signing guys as it is with guys like yeah. uh, Vertanen, if I'm not mistaken. And they couldn't sign guys like Stetcher. That's another one. Stetcher went to Detroit. Wow. You've got a UFA. I mean, Jory Ben's a UFA. He's gone. Um, yeah. Or, uh, Adam Goddard. You need to re-sign Adam Goddard. Yeah, that's another RFA, I'm pretty really sure. Solid player. He was oh, he was so much fun to watch in, uh, gosh, Northeastern University, I believe. He was with uh, Dylan Secura, Blackhawks legend. 20 goals, um, 40 assists for 60 points. Can't forget that. Trade for Gordon Perry, Blackhawks legend. He'll get there. Let him give him his time. He'll get there. We all know. Tony G spitting the facts, but uh, I think a big thing for them is that next year, um, Brandon Sutter and uh, what's his face, Sven Berchi come off the books. That is uh, a combined. Um, let me do the Matthew Brandon. Is that like seven million dollars? Uh, it is six point five, something like that, in that range. Yeah, it's actually like seven point five. Yeah, it's a little over seven point five, seven point seven ish. Hey, that's that's money. That's money for you to sign a guy like you know Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, two very very, very small bridge deals. They might even have to sign one year deals because you, you that's what they're that's what a lot of that's what Taylor Hall's done now. They might that might be the way of the NHL now. I, I've been saying it, I think I said in the podcast, I don't know why guys aren't signing one, two year deals. I don't know why. It's ridiculous. You sign for one or two years and then the market is gonna the virus should be gone by then. The economy hockey players up. want term. They want certainty. That's what they want. I get that. I mean uh yeah, that's the whole thing. I, I have to, I have to understand it, but I just really feel like you want, like a guy like Petrangelo. I understand maybe he'll decline, but maybe give it one year, one two years. Yeah, that's another thing. Vegas teams helping out Vegas to clear up cap space, like Winnipeg acquiring Stastny, and then Vancouver, of course, acquiring Nate Schmidt so they can get guys like uh, Alex Petrangelo, of course. You know who I think is uh, my biggest winner of the off season? Who? Colorado. Well, yeah, I we already said at the beginning oh, that. Oh, I am. Oh yeah. My oh my good lord. But I think the biggest thing with Colorado is they didn't make any. I, I want to hit on that is they didn't make any big signings. And that was they the. Did. They were signed their guys. They were signed Nachushkin, uh, better than Drysdale confirmed, and uh, Burkowski <laughs> and Ryan Graves, who had the highest plus minus in the NHL. And then then they got Sod. Of course, we already brought this up for pretty much nothing because well, you basically you, they have that guy in, anyways. You traded Sa- Sadorov for Sod and Taves. Devontae, yeah. I should say. Yeah. And you gave up only two seconds when your prospect pool is already loaded. You didn't give up any firsts. You didn't give up any of your top-notch prospects. You got a, a reasonable amount of cap space considering how good of a team they are. Like, it's just dumb. If if Phil Grubauer stays healthy, they win the Cup next year. Well, I'm making that claim. And they didn't just do that. They had some, you know, for when it comes to, like, they... I think they're going to get... I think that getting Brandon Sod's a better move for them in terms of their contention than signing Taylor or, or you know if they were going to sign a guy like Petrangelo for eight friggin years which Vegas man holy nope, they're being smart fun. they're being smart dude like they're saving they're not <laughs> getting investing long term so that way they can sign McKinnon but they're also getting guys right now that can help them win and I think I think McKinnon only has like th- three or two more years I can't remember the exact amount but they got to win now 
and they got these next couple of years, but Joe Sackett is putting them in as good a position as they can. They're not rushing guys like Byram or Newhook who are going to be incredible for them. It's just, uh, man, the Colorado just really has not missed since that Matt, Matt Duchesne trade. It's ridiculous. Well, no, they haven't. <sighs> man. Well, you want to get into the questions? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, How about uh, another thing? Last thing. Tory Krug to St. Louis. That's interesting how things worked out there. The fact that they handed out contracts to guys like Brayden Shen and uh, Justin Falk, who they just acquired earlier on in the season, but Alex Petrangelo, who's been there for a long time, he's been their captain. They brought he brought them home their first ever Stanley Cup, and it just seems like they were never really on the same page. And he goes to Vegas, which I think is an amazing fit. Now that you got uh uh uh, uh blah blah, it's been too long. <laughs> Uh, you got Petrangelo and Theodore on your right side because Theodore yeah, apparently is good on the right side. And then you got, like, it doesn't even matter who you put alongside of them because they're just so good that they're going to make them good. Um, but then you look at St. Louis. Um, I actually like the fact that they got Krug. Um, I think Krug and Pareko is going to be an interesting defensive pairing if yes. that's what they go with. But, uh, yeah, uh, what do you think about that? I like the term interesting. I feel like Tory Krug. I really like his game. I would have loved him on the Blackhawks. You know, if they were going to go more towards a retool, um, not for that much money in that much term, you know, it just wouldn't have worked. But uh, really, I, I like the signing for them. I like it. Um, it's uh, kind of funny how Krug's getting a lot of flack from uh, Bruins fans, and you know, where they feel he didn't communicate enough with the uh, uh, with the staff on uh, his uh, intentions for free agency and whatnot. And you have Blues fans mad at the. Uh, um, the their the the management for feeling they didn't do enough to communicate with the player and bring you know keep him in there like you said a bit of a flip flop situation of sorts but uh, seeing how they faced each other in the uh, final the year before but um no I I, I like the signing I think that I uh, I think he complements Pareko really well like Pareko's a guy who's yeah. a steady they're, they're basically polar opposites Pareko yes. is right handed like six foot six and then Corey Krug's like left handed <laughs> five foot eight Pareko's good defensively and then Krug is just a monster offensively I think that's going to be a very uh, very frustrating yeah I, I'm looking I'm, lo- I'm very much looking forward to uh, um uh, uh Matthias Janmark trying to get through that oh shut the fuck up please. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm not ready for this. <sighs> well, good thing is we have no idea when the next well, it's uh, NHL the Blackhawks, You know what? I'm just saying, I'm glad the Blackhawks finally got a middle six, you know, possibly top six winger. They've been looking for that for so long, and they finally got that. You know, it's a good thing they finally did. Fuck me. Oh, yeah, and by the way, there's still a lot of uh, free agents that haven't been signed. Hang on, I'm just going to pull this up. Um, Cap friendly. There's still guys up there like Mike Hoffman. My favorite just... one, uh, oh, who was it that tweeted this? I believe it was uh, at the fourth period. I, I think it was him who tweeted that uh, the day after Saad got traded, where he says the Blackhawks are in the are in the midst of looking for a middle six wing. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, that sounds real familiar. So, yeah, so guys like uh, Michael Granlin are still out there, Mike Hoffman, Alex Galchenyuk, Sammy Vatanen. Okay. Um, I think this is just based off of points, but I'm just trying to look at guys that are interesting. Andreas Athanasio is out there. Connor Sheary, of course, elite player. Elite in his own right. Eric Howla, um, Blackhawks legend. Dale Weiss is out there. Guys like Anthony DeClaire and Drake Adriller are there. Slater Cuckoo is still out there. So is uh, Jan Ruta. It's just interesting because Dominic Cahoon is also still out there. A lot of former Blackhawks are still out there. So And Brendan Perlini. As well, there's just a lot of them. The fact that they haven't, it, it th- blows my mind that Slater Cuckoo, after the season he had, is just sitting out there. Oh my god! So there's there's still quite a few free agents 
to be signed. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's get into the questions now. We're going on, like, uh, almost close to two hours now. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, been 100 minutes. Well, yeah. um, just, just, like, another date with you, isn't it? Just, just a nice conversation, a lamp and a rose in front of me, as always. All right. Um, who do you think will be the Blackhawks' starting goalie next year? Lankinen, Subban, or Delia? This is from our good pet friend Charles at Kinder Rocket and often even on the podcast. Oh, yes. Um, what if I go first? Oh, yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, uh, honestly, I see it being – I see Subban starting. Um, I thought he looked solid in the uh, you know training camp they had before uh, uh, before going to the bubble. I mean, that's not much. You know, it's a small sample size against guys scrimmaging. But I, I just thought his form looked better. He seemed to look a little bit less aggressive, uh, a little more poised. And I feel like that's a big thing for him is he has all the skill in the world he always has. It's just about putting it all together and, uh, you know, just being being a little more stable, a little more uh, sound as he can be uh, very aggressive um, with his play. So, I don't know. I, I feel like he'll – I feel like he's just naturally better than the other two. He's more AHL experience as well. Delia has been a bit shaky at the at the uh, major league. We have not seen anything of Lincoln at the major league, but I would like to see more of Lincoln and then Delia. So, um, yeah, all the uh, the backups meant to be uh, all of it's to be seen. Actually, of course. Um, uh, but I would I I'd put my money on Subban. I think he has the job. I'm gonna go contrary. I'm gonna say Colin Delia because. Uh, when he got called up in that 2018-19 season, he honestly didn't even play that bad. It was just at the back half that he started to collapse, but you can't necessarily blame him. Uh, this year, his numbers in Rockford won't blow your mind. I think he only had like a 9-12 save percentage, but you also have to take into consideration that I believe he had a uh, child this year, and he had a really good back half to the season. And even though, of course, he didn't uh, get the backup st- job, that's what, what that would have mattered anyways because he wouldn't have played in front of Crawford. But I think... Uh, Colin Delia, they've gave, they gave him that a uh, three-year, three million dollar contract where he got one million dollar per. I think they're going to give him a lot of looks, and I think uh, yeah. Colin Delia can really emerge as that uh, starting goaltender. But either way, it's going to be it's going to be tough with the goaltending situation next year, without a doubt. Um, yeah. Personally, like I'm really, I've been really high on Delia. I'm trying to kind of temper my expectations, but yeah, I really, I I thought he had a, he was fantastic in the uh, back half of his uh, with Rockford. I mean, if if I could pull up his game log, it was. He was putting up insane numbers after uh, he got everything together. Um, so that was, yeah. Yeah, with you on that. All right. Um, this is a tough one, but projected lineup for the 2020-21 season as it stands now. This is from our good pal at Wally, at Wally Mass 35. Okay. Um, oh, man. Um, I've messed around. Because we have, there's so many forwards. There's so many ifs. I mean, Philip Kershev could even be a guy who makes the lineup. Out of camp. All right, um, first line for me is going to be Suter, uh, Taves, and Kubalik. The second line for me is going to be Debrinkit, Duck, and Kane. The third line will be um, maybe Janmark, Strom, and Nylander. I don't know. And then the fourth line maybe Carpenter, Walmark, and uh, I don't know, like Highmore or something. I don't yeah, know. That's. Am I forgetting someone big? I feel like yeah, I am. Yeah. Sorry, David Camp. Oh yeah, David Camp, whatever. Maybe he's a scratch. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like Walmart. Oh, I would know, personally. Yeah, I, I don't know. That kid is a defensive wizard. I I hope they keep him in there. God, Ryan Carpenter, a Carpenter Camp Walmart line would be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
I, I actually actually completely agree with you there. I think the only change you might make is uh you might put Doc with Nylander and Kane, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, you want to keep Strowman to bring it together. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, you can kind of change that. It's the only thing I would disagree with you on, or like, or like not, yeah, or like change up maybe. Besides that, I mean, yeah, no, no, that's about right. The defense is where it gets real interesting, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, supposedly the thing is that they want to put Zadorov with Boakfist, so maybe go Keith Mitchell, Dahan Murphy, and then uh, Zadorov and Boakfist, and maybe shelter him a bit more and give those guys a bit more time to play. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. I completely agree with you, and that's the worst part. I don't think it's not what I want, but I think that's what we're gonna see. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um. Next, last question from Vinny at uh nine drew n two. How long do Kane and Taves have left in Chicago? Well, they retire there, and this is something that's gonna be interesting to watch. Do the Blackhawks go all in with this rebuild? Do they do the thing that Blackhawks fans are dreading and trade away someone like Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves? The thing is, they only have three years left, so it's getting close. So maybe in a couple of years, when they only have one year left and it's easier to trade them and maybe return salary cap on them, do they get it done? I don't know. I To be honest, I, it's a cop-out to say. I have no idea. I think they're going to finish their career as Blackhawks because it's just so hard not to see them getting traded especially after all they've done in the for the franchise and they control their destiny they have the no movement clauses all that and but i think they stay but honestly uh i think that might change within these next few years i don't know how about how about you i've got a gut feeling duncan keith goes really eh? uh so reading oh what was it i believe who is it who is it i believe it was mark lazarus was it oh man i i want to give credit to whoever wrote this but uh uh, whatever this was around when the uh, we were talking about the Blackhawks uh, core not being happy. Um, oh no, it was Jay Zawaski. I believe Jay Zawaski said this. Yes, he was on uh, the Madhouse podcast. Check it out, awesome podcast. He and James Zabo do a fantastic job every time. Love listening to it. Um, advertising on our own podcast, Jimmy. Yeah, We're uh, the best podcast yeah, ever. Clearly, God, just the nicest guys, you know, just the nicest guys. But he mentioned that. Kane actually is a fan of Carlton's uh, coaching. He likes the way he sees the game. You know, he sees it a little bit differently. Um, so, you know, they're, they seem to be on, you know, they're, they're fine with each other. Taves is very indifferent, or not indifferent, but just like, he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, I guess you could say indifferent, but I want to say it as if he doesn't like him. We've seen a lot of times where it seems like he's frustrated with him, and, and coaches and players have that. They have disagreements, but for the most part, Taves just seems to kind of be ho-hum with him. Keith and Seabrook are not fans whatsoever i i i would have to think so especially with seabrook well seabrook is i mean seabrook just obviously and you know we knew there was not much communication with him about his his role again more communication issues for a guy like colin who's supposed to be his his mo is communicating with players but you know that's that's that and it's not surprising that seabrook's best friend you know we know this it's pretty, you know, common knowledge. His best friend's Duck and Keith, and Keith has very. It's people have said it. He's been very reluctant to transition to this new system, and he's been not. A, I mean, we you have from Jay Zawaski himself. He's not a fan of it. So, uh, if anybody gets moved, I think it's Keith. I think if they could have moved Seabrook in the past, they would have done it way sooner. But I, I think Keith is more movable, and I think he gets moved out. All right, so. Pretty much it for this podcast, unless you have anything else to add. 
Oh, man. We barely talked about anything, so that's a shame. I can't think of anything else. All right, so... It's it's been it's definitely been interesting times for the Blackhawks. That's one way to put it, I guess. It's been an interesting time for the NHL. We have no idea when uh, the NHL will be playing next. Supposedly they want it to be on January first, but uh, you never know. And if that happens, the Blackhawks the Blackhawks are going to play Winter Classic against like the like uh, I don't even know where they play. No, we're going to have uh, gonna, no, it's going to be a two day. It's going to be two ga- uh, two games in four days. They're going to have uh, three outdoor games. Blackhawks, yep. three different teams. Can't wait. Yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, so yeah. uh, big news coming up. Uh, if you're following us on Twitter, um, you will have seen that uh, we have two big guests coming on on Friday. Right now is Sunday and this upcoming Friday. First interview we have we have from the Steve Dangle podcast, uh, Steve Dangle himself, who <laughs> I've been watching for nine years now and who I've been listening to the podcast since its inception, and it's just crazy. Big, basically, me and Jimmy's biggest inspiration is coming on the Wait, podcast, and we get to have a conversation with them. Doing the rest of the last nine years of my life. And we also have Emily Kaplan of ESPN, who uh, Gary Bettman called a so so called reporter. Um, uh, did you see that? No, I did not see that. No, what? Okay. I'll have to explain that to you. But yeah, there's like this whole thing about oh, how like Emily Kaplan did this article of you know going in with the whole with the situations in the whole bubble, and it's like they were like the players were like were bored, and then Gary Barron's like, I thought we did a fine job. These so-called journalists, blah blah blah, something something to that effect. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're having Emily Kaplan on. I love her work. Um, I love her podcast that she does with the SPN, and we're very much looking forward to having her on. Um, the thing is, this is on the same day, Friday. We have Steve Dangle coming on at uh, 9 a.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time, and then Emily Kaplan two hours later. So it's going to be very fun for us. This is Christmas in uh, October. Absolutely. Yeah. This is uh, <laughs> this is our podcast. The other year, thank God it's in 2020, man. Yeah, this- this is our podcast Christmas, and it's basically going to be the last podcast for a while. Like we'll do podcasts here in a while, but this is kind of be our like our send off to the off season because yeah. we've been looking forward to having these two guests on. And I don't want to throw names out there, but there are other people that uh, I've talked to that uh, would be interested in coming on within like after no, uh, October is done. So we'll like, update you guys with that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's well, we said this before too. Uh, it's going to be a very toxic time in the world the next time yeah, especially that's yeah, what i'm trying to do i'm trying to like yeah. as soon as that podcast done I'm, I'm going off the grid for like social media and the podcast and stuff like that because i'm honestly i'm really not looking forward to the election regardless of who wins because it's going to be toxic you even can. though i live in you can. You, then you have to worry about this that's how bad it is yeah I, it's not even that like i have to worry about it in my personal life it's that i know other people yeah. have to deal with it and whenever i open social media or whatever or anything it's you just can't get away with it because that's how much power the u.s has in this world like oh, they're they're uh, going on there people are you know i mean it's not and i'm not i i lean i lean left i'm i i could see you know, you'd say i'm left wing i i lean a bit in the center as well but radical left jimmy i obviously but um it, it doesn't take a, a fucking genius to say that you know both sides are I, I i don't want to be that person well you know it's both sides and you know i'm neutral and i'm so smart no like this is this isn't about that we're talking about right now two sides that are neck and neck with each other no matter who you think is right this is just it's like monkeys throwing shit at each other when it comes to the the uh um the professionals up top and people below them are following you know monkey see monkey do uh 
to follow the metaphor. And that's what we're getting right now. And I can say, you know, someone who uh, lives in the U.S., who lives in Illinois, it's uh, it's ugly. You know, you've got uh, I've had family members who are very strong, you know, um, very strong. Right. And you can't have conversations with them about these things. And it's, you know, people don't want to talk about it. And if, when they do talk about it, it's it's toxic, it's vile. And you, you see this everywhere. You've got people who are going online and threatening to shoot up places one way or the other for whatever reason. And this is a, this is a time where I, I really urge everybody to, no matter who you vote for, please educate yourself. Please stay safe. And uh, please vote, but vote. Don't. I'm not going to tell you to vote for you know whoever. Vote for who you want to. It's your choice. Yeah, but please educate yourself. That's the biggest thing. Please, please, please keep. Please make Snopes a bookmark on your computer because you can't trust everything you see. And we've been saying this, for, you know, like and I say we as in literally everybody on the fucking earth that you can't trust what you see, you know, at first glance. But I, I feel like more now than ever, you're seeing on Twitter Snopes. You know, you're seeing in the trending Snopes fact check this and this and this and this. Every day it's something new. Like people, I don't want to be. I I hate that you know the. Uh, Keep your third eye open. Stay woke. I, I, I don't want to put it that way, but, uh, you know, just keep your head up, man. Please keep your head up. Keep yourself educated and be safe, please. Thank you. And go vote. And here's the thing, man. Canada is not free from this either. Like, we don't have an election coming up or anything, but uh, I don't know if you've been hearing this, but with the whole McMax McMax situation and the lobsters and all that and just the way that Canada treats indigenous people, it's awful. We still got a lot of work to do there, but yeah. Yeah. I just hope everyone stays safe out there. Everyone, uh, again, like Jimmy said, educate yourself and just do that in general, man, because there's so many people suffering and anything you can do to help, please help. So I don't want to end it on a, on, a, on a negative note. So, uh, yeah, we're very much looking forward to uh, Steve Dangle and Emily Kaplan. Yeah. I'm glad we're coming on. The fact that it's on the same day it was only split by a couple of hours. We're just so fucking excited it's it's incredible we started this podcast uh yeah, six five, months six months ago yeah we started this podcast <laughs> six months ago back in april in the dead of uh quarantine when everything was just so boring and we've done podcasts in the four in the past where you know we'll do a podcast we had the charlie romeliotis interview back in the summer of 2019 but we never really got consistent with it and yeah. you know the quarantine, it's been a tough time, but it's also been a blessing because there's really not much else to do, so we've really got into it. And once we really got into the podcast, we started getting more viewers, we started getting more guests on, and uh, now that we have we have the grandfather of all guests, I'd, quite, I'd say, with uh, Steve Dangle, because he's basically you know, someone that we've looked up to for a very long time and basically the main influence for it was really this podcast. Thing, it was really the first um person that or first thing we really connected on strongly was uh you know steve day and we you know we of course talked hockey and whatnot but that was the first thing where you and i really like hit a note was when we talked about you know how we had watched him for so long and you know how uh listening to his podcast kind of made it kind of inspired us to you know want to do something like this and you know uh, a year later we ended up making that podcast and here we are now it's kind of crazy to look at it that you know how uh, not far you know maybe it's not the most but for us it's been uh you know it's been a lot of fun of course and shit we want to take it as far as we can obviously and to have him on it's just kind of like it, it really is like a baptism by fire i can't think of a better way to say it it's pretty amazing i know and it's just oh man i was gonna say something but i completely forgot what i wanted to say but uh wow. emily kaplan in her own right is like also amazing reporter like we see steve dang oh, was amazing yeah, so right. is emily kaplan emily kaplan is incredible like yeah. um 
she literally got to go to the Edmonton bubble and cover the conference final and the Stanley Cup final. Like it doesn't had- get much better than that. Like that's that's yeah, just be good to do that. Yeah, that just shows you how great of a journalist she is. And she also has her own podcast with Greg Wyshynski and ESPN, which I highly recommend you listen to. It has a bunch of uh, guests from across the league, a bunch of voices across the league, a bunch of players across the league. And Sigma to Save Dangle podcast, actually, they just released like a two-hour podcast yes. right now, which I've been I've been looking forward to. Like I was actually listening to it before we got into the call, and they had like Eric Engels on the whole time about the Canadians, oh. and they have Chris Johnson on. Did you see that they broke the... The Joe, the Joe Thorne, yes, they did. They did. The Joe Thorne news, which, by the way, man, uh, I, 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 it's gonna be interesting if Toronto could win the Stanley Cup and then Joe Thorne gets it, man. Can we um, give it both to Thornton and Lundqvist? Can we do that? Oh yeah, Washington as well. Uh, did we talk about the Harry Lundqvist? We're we're going on really long as it is, but like, yeah. oh man, He's just like one of those players. It would I would love for them for them to win the cup. Please. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. They deserve it. Anyways, um, oh, there's a point I really wanted to bring up, but I, I, for the life of me, cannot remember. Oh, yes, this is what I, I wanted to say. Um, I don't want to make it all about me, but um, I'm someone I graduated in 2019. And, you know, it was a tough time in my life. I just wanted to get it done and over with and graduate. And doing this podcast for the past uh, six months or so, it's, it's really uh something i enjoy doing you know there's be a lot of times where i get anxious towards podcasts i really don't even feel that anymore i just feel such a great chemistry with you jimmy and it's so much fun to do this and even so much that i'm going back to school next year to do radio and broadcast and i'm hoping i go far away with this and even if i don't you know this is always going to be something that's fun for me and uh, i just want to thank you for coming along on this journey with me and uh, who knows where we'll go maybe this is a career maybe it's just something on the side but either way i always look forward to doing with it thank you so much man Hey, are we dating yet? No, we should make it official. We're dating now. Oh, good. Great. Awesome. Great hey. weekend. Yesterday, my birthday. Oh, but hey, uh, but, hey, no, but hey, no. seriously, man, this has been, uh, especially during a really, you know, uh, I can say, uh, put simply a really dark time in my life. And uh, I, I mean, and it got even darker for not just me, but everybody else when this quarantine hit. And uh, yeah, like I can't tell you enough, man, this is something I've wanted to do for so long. And, you know, you and I are kind of, you know, connected on that passion. It's been like, I can't, can't thank you enough, man. It's been a fucking awesome journey. Hopefully it goes for a while. Yeah, definitely. So fall off. Yeah. So enough sucking each other's dicks. Let's uh, end this podcast up. So again, yet again, this is the third time we're saying this, but uh, Steve Dangle and Emily Kaplan will be joining the podcast this Friday. If you have any questions, I'm going to uh, quote tweet the tweet that I put up, like I think last week or so. So that way you can ask them questions because this is so huge. I think this is going to be our biggest podcast yet. And I want there to be as many questions as there can be. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, stadium arcadium for me. And then at shy town faithful that rats right for you. Not uh, at Tarantino socks. <laughs> <laughs> either one man actually right now yeah at shaitan faith well i'm a little more active on there so uh yeah if you want to connect with me i'll be uh, i'm uh mostly on that one right now for uh much more hockey content you can follow the podcast at, at underscore pjscast underscore and you can also follow off crow's nest where we have a, a wordpress we haven't done much work lately but we did a lot of great work um during uh the like the draft and free agency and just shout out to wally who asked a question earlier charles as well who works there jimmy who also writes there and just guys like uh, people, other people like reagan and uh thomas and all those guys that just it's so nice that the fact that i joined twitter three years ago here i am going off again but i'm just really thankful for 
meeting these people on Twitter who I would have, you know, if I never joined Twitter, I never wouldn't be doing this right now. And I just thank them, even, whether it's writing with them or interacting with them or doing a podcast with them. Thank you guys so much. I'm so thankful for you guys for 20 years. And, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little too uh, – <laughs> Oh, let's, I don't even know what the word is for now, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's end it off. So uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. So for Pierce and Jimmy, take it easy, everyone. Social distance, wear your mask, wash your hands, stay sanitary, all that stuff. I'll talk to you guys next time when we have uh, Steve Dangle and Emily Capilano on. Peace. Peace.